BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The Ford F-150 truck drives smart design forward. The standard 12-inch productivity screen helps you get what you need done too. And the available pro-access tailgate improves access to bed and cargo and utilization of the bed, including when towing a trailer. Together with a wider bumper step, it's easier to access the bed and load in tight spaces. An available ProPower onboard serves as a mobile power source, providing up to 7.2 kilowatts of power to charge a bed full of electric dirt bikes or run an entire job site worth of tools. I'm still driving my 2016 F-150 truck and 90,000 miles in. As long as I keep it clean, it honestly still looks brand new. I've taken it down snow-covered forest service roads, taken it out camping, put a ton of miles on it on the freeway, had five adults in the cabin for long trips, and it's been great everywhere. Super dependable. I still love the way it looks, nice and rugged design, but with a super comfortable interior. And I'm still very happy with the quality sound system and heated seats. And since I bought my 2016 F-150 truck, the list of standard amenities that make a truck feel like a luxury vehicle have only grown. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. Last week, we looked a lot at what we know about the former wealthy financier and prolific sexual predator, Jeffrey Epstein. Ghislaine Maxwell's partner in exploitation who uses wealth and privilege to prey on primarily teen girls between the ages of 14 and 17. The man who tricked young women and girls into coming to his private island in the Caribbean under the guise of being a masseuse, only to then sexually abuse and rape them. The guy who converted many of the underage girls he sexually abused in Palm Beach, Florida to find more underage girls for him to assault. Last week, we got to know a true fucking monster. And we scratched our heads at how he almost completely evaded punishment after being caught sexually abusing at least 50 or so girls in Florida over a decade before being finally taken down in New York. This week, we look at how he died. And we ask, did he really kill himself? And if he didn't, what did happen? Was he snuck out of the federal facility in lower Manhattan where he was being held? And is he alive and free somewhere today? That's one of the conspiracies. Did the Clintons have him killed? That's another. Did Trump have him killed or some wealthy but unknown powerful person he was trying to blackmail? Those are some other theories. We'll look at all this and more on today's part two of two. What the hell really went on with Epstein the night he died? And if he was killed, who the hell did it? New world order. Where are the bodies, Killery? Tinfoil hat. But maybe some of the conspiracies aren't so crazy after all edition of Time Suck. This is Michael McDonald and you're listening to Time Suck. (laughs) You're listening to Time Suck. Happy Monday, Meat Sacks. Welcome back to the Cult of the Curious. You're just in time for the second of this two-parter. Uh, good job. I-, I saved you a seat. Grab a snack. Uh, there's some cookies and punch next to the coffee machine on the counter. I'm Dan Cummins, the Suckmaster, low lead express baggage handler. 1-800-BUSINESS operator now standing by. And you are listening to Time Suck. Hail Nimrod, hail Lucifina, praiseable jangles, and glory be to Triple M. May the good gods of the suck steer my research ship along a path of truth as I sail through the stormy seas of conspiracy today. A couple quick announcements, and then we head back, head back to Epsteinville. 
Uh, hoping I had a great time in Missoula this past Saturday night. I've been really looking forward to my uh, show at the Wilma. Uh, very excited for that venue. Uh, this coming weekend, I'll be in North Carolina. Good nights in Raleigh. Weekend's almost sold out, so thank you. Uh, then I'm off to Salt Lake City, Springfield, Missouri, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Davenport, Iowa, and Chicago. Uh, DanCummins.tv for all the dates. Or you can follow at Dan Cummins Comedy on Instagram or Facebook. Also on, also on TikTok. Uh, in the store at badmagicmerch.com, the first batch of volume one of the Time Suck collectible cards. First 50 episodes plus five bonus episodes. Still in the store. Uh, almost sold out as I record this. To see if there are any left, head to badmagicmerch.com. Uh, hail Nimrod to all of you who have bought them. Uh, love it. I'll also have a new uh, 1-800-BUSINESS ringtone in the store. And that is free. And how about that's it for today? Let's fucking go. Tighten your tinfoil hats. Lock the bunker door. And set your atomic watches to conspiracy o'clock. In 2019, a poll from Emerson College conducted shortly after Epstein's death revealed that only 33% of Americans believed that Epstein had committed suicide. 34% believed he was murdered. And 32% were unsure. So did Jeffrey Epstein kill himself or was he murdered as part of some larger conspiracy? That's obviously the biggest question we're asking today. Uh, Let's analyze speculation around his death from both the murder conspiracy and the suicide non-conspiracy sides. Uh, We'll look at how terrible incarceration conditions at MCC, the Metropolitan Correctional Center in Manhattan, where Epstein was detained, may have led him to take his own life. We'll go over the night he died in a lot more detail than I did last week and show how much incompetence a fucking comedy of errors, uh, really did open the door to conspiracies. If someone did kill Epstein, uh, it's not like the guards who were on duty asleep for a few hours that night would have noticed. Then we'll look into four conspiracies out there on the web. Uh, Epstein is still alive. A mystery person who Epstein had dirt on killed him. Uh, The Clintons killed him. And Trump killed him. And then I'll toss out a fifth conspiracy of my own invention. And then I'll recap and state where I stand on all of this. So uh, a lot of suspicious shit to dig into today. We'll go through some of, uh, you know, some wackadoodle uh, tinfoil hat shenanigans, but uh, I was not able to laugh off all of this stuff. So let's get started. Uh, People who believe that Epstein was not murdered and did in fact commit suicide believe he was able to do so because of how poorly the prison he was incarcerated, incarcerated in was run. They tend to think that horrible conditions at the facility he was incarcerated in also helped motivate him to kill himself. So let's take a peek at what those conditions happened to be. The MCC, the Metropolitan Correctional Center, uh, is and was long before Epstein run down, understaffed, uh, has been rife with scandal and corruption for years. Think about the 1980 New Mexico prison riot episode. We learned so much about how horribly underfunded American prisons in general were, and that problem has not been magically fixed since 1980. So what is the MCC exactly? The MCC is an FBI and CIA collaboration overseen by the NSA and the ATF servicing OPP staffed mostly by MILFs who want to give some TLC to guys with NFS and what WTF. Sorry, I just wanted to see how many acronyms I could string together there. That made no sense. No, the MCC is a pretrial federal facility uh, located at 150 Park Row in lower Manhattan, just a few blocks from the Brooklyn Bridge, just south of Chinatown and just east of Tribeca. It's ran by the Bureau of Prisons which is part of the Department of Justice and overseen by Congress that holds people awaiting trial on charges in the Southern District of New York. The people it holds are presumed innocent and the law ostensibly prohibits the punishment of possibly innocent people before conviction, but incarceration in this facility is certainly a punishment. Open in 1975, MCC today houses about uh, 750 people 
in a facility built for fewer than 500 people. Classic prison overcrowding. Federal detention centers uh, chronically understaffed in general. As of 2021, nearly a third of federal correction officer job openings in the U.S. were vacant. I can't find stats from 2019 when Epstein slipped, uh, you know, crawling into bed and accidentally really busted his neck to fuck up. But I doubt it was much better then. Which means that these centers are roughly 33% less staffed than they would like to be. And even when they're fully staffed, generally still don't have great prisoner to staff ratios. Uh, Epstein began his incarceration in the general population of the MCC, but was being held in the SHU on 9 South when he died. SHU is the special housing unit. It's for people the jail deems not safe in general population or who have allegedly broken jail rules. Uh, It features much more restrictive conditions than the rest of the MCC, including solitary confinement. No daylight, no uh, socialization. Uh, While you're awaiting trial for a crime you might not even be found guilty of. Lawyers and people held here uh, awaiting trial have regularly reported appalling conditions since long before Epstein was arrested. Complaints have included poor temperature regulation. The facility is often sweltering hot in the summer, so cold in the winter that prisoners report having trouble thinking, having to wear multiple layers of clothing to be able to sleep. The facility is run down in general. The plumbing, elevators, often breaking, mice and rats, commonplace as are cockroaches. Behavior of the guards uh, regularly described as ranging from abusive to indifferent. Over a year before Epstein died, on June 19, 2018, Aviva Stahl, a Brooklyn-based investigative journalist who writes primarily about national security, uh, prisons, and immigration detention, had a piece published in The Gothamist about MCC titled, Prisoners Endure a Nightmare Gulag in Lower Manhattan, Hidden in Plain Sight. Her expose opens with half a block behind Manhattan's federal courthouse, two blocks from City Hall, three blocks from the Brooklyn Bridge, and less than a mile from the hustle and bustle of Wall Street, sits a detention center that has been condemned by a United Nations human rights expert for exposing its inmates to conditions akin to torture. While reports of the horrendous conditions on Rikers Island helped spur Mayor Bill de Blasio's pledge to shutter the jail's violence-plagued facilities, far less attention has been paid to the environment inside the Metropolitan Correctional Center, the federal jail which mainly holds people who have been charged but not yet convicted of crimes, who in the eyes of the law are still presumed innocent. Yet those locked up at the MCC are subject to their own indignities and rights violations, say those who have spent time there on both sides of the bars. These include filthy conditions, vermin infestations, substandard medical care, and violence and abuse at the hands of guards. Interviews with a dozen people who spent time locked up there as recently as 2017, as well as with attorneys who have represented clients at MCC, human rights groups, and others with direct knowledge of the prison, confirmed that those incarcerated at MCC often endure a rat-infested high-rise hell just yards from the federal courts that sent them there. So it sounds like even for a prisoner jail, this place is particularly shitty. The MCC is one of two federal pretrial facilities in New York City, a Metropolitan Detention Center located on the waterfront in Sunset Park uh, in Brooklyn uh, is the other. That's where uh, Ghislaine Maxwell has been held. Uh, They're part of a network of 11 such facilities run by the Federal Board of Prisons, with nine spread across the continental U.S., two others in Honolulu and uh, Wainabo, Puerto Rico. Many others awaiting trial and federal charges are detained in local jails. The MDC and the MCC New York facilities share just a single psychiatrist between both of them. Uh, Each have only a handful of psychologists on staff. How could that staff adequately treat roughly 500 inmates detained just prior to Epstein's incarceration who were suffering from significant psychiatric illnesses? Could this extreme lack of staffing explain why Epstein's suicide watch uh, situation was very bungled? Why, if perhaps he genuinely was extremely depressed and suicidal, 
that might not have been taken seriously and supervised as it should have been. Now, one thing to keep in mind with all of this is at the MCC, he was not given special celebrity status prisoner treatment. While making sure nothing happened to him so he could hopefully spill the dirty dick beans on a lot of public figures, uh, you know, made keeping him alive a, a, a big priority for the general public and a huge priority for conspiracy theorists. No special value was placed on his life by the staff there, by the administration, uh, the, the COs at the MCC. And I guess why should it have been? You know, if you're a guard at this prison, if you're a psychiatrist or psychologist, uh, you're chronically overworked. You're not going to get a raise for helping keep Epstein alive. You're going to make the same salary, work the same hours. Whether or not he kills himself or somebody kills him, you know, he's murdered. Do you really give a fuck what happens to him? Do you care about him any more than you'd care about any other random inmate? You're right. No one was going to get some, yay, Epstein uh, did it bonus. Yeah, he ratted on a bunch of politicians or activists or, you know, fucking whatever. Uh, so now everyone working the MCC gets an extra 10 grand. No, that's not going to happen. Uh, Jeannie Theo Harris, a distinguished professor of political science at Brooklyn College, has written extensively about terrible conditions at the MCC. She re- recently wrote, if I describe these conditions to you, filthy, freezing, no natural light, isolation so extreme that you're punished for speaking to the walls, absurd rules like prisoners not getting to see the newspapers unless they're 30 days old, secrecy so deep that people are force-fed and lawyers can be punished for describing the conditions their clients are experiencing, uh, you'd be forgiven for thinking that this was Iran or Russia. But in fact, this gulag exists right here in lower Manhattan. According to one 2015 lawsuit filed against the Federal Board of Prisons by an MCC prisoner named Levitt Fernandini, Uh, When the toilets broke down, men were given bags to defecate in, which were then not removed from their units. So fuck yeah, bro. Bunch of people waiting to go on trial, bunch of innocent until proven guilty people, in theory at least, uh, sitting next to literal shitbags in their cells. So men started using the shower as a toilet to avoid the shitbags. Nice! Step in the shower to get clean, come out of the shower with some kind of fungal infection after literally stepping barefoot in someone else's shit. On his lawsuit, Fernandini also describes the presence of rat and mice droppings throughout the floor, states that he had found rats in his bed, seen rats crawling on inmates while they slept. When he was bitten by one of these rats in January of 2014, he said the counselor for the unit was far from surprised. If anything, in light of the infestation, the only surprise is that every inmate had not been bitten. Uh, Fernandini accused the medical staff of ignoring his request for treatment for several days, even after the bite from the rat that got him uh, became infected. Medical care at MCC uh, has been condemned by numerous former prisoners and defense attorneys. Unless it's life or death, there's no immediate medical care. Prisoner Marlon Roberts wrote to the Gothamist in a letter. It can take two months to answer your sick call request. And there are all kinds of widespread allegations of either neglect or abuse from the guards. In the past 15 years, at least one correctional officer at MCC has been convicted of beating an inmate. And at least three guards have been found guilty of sexually assaulting inmates. In 2016, a former correctional officer at MCC was sentenced to seven years behind bars for raping a prisoner detained at the facility. Uh, Even even in my dreams, I'm suffering flashbacks where I'm repeatedly raped, the prisoner told the court. And in April of 2018, a guard was arrested for taking bribes to smuggle food, alcohol, and cell phones into the facility. When it comes to federal facilities like MCC, the primary responsibility for oversight falls to Congress, which has had a long track record of dereliction, according to Amy Fettig, Deputy Director for the American Civil Liberty Union's National Prison Project. She says Congress has so much going on that for them to oversee the Bureau of Prisons in a systematic and effective manner is almost impossible. Her words were echoed by Phil Fernacci, the director of the D.C. Prisoners Project of the Washington Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights and Urban Affairs, an organization which has uh, sued the BOP. There's no oversight unless there is a congressional hearing called, he said. 
According to Fedig, while there's been increasing advocacy for reforms to local jails and prison conditions, federal prisons remain a kind of a, a political orphan. She said Rikers is a good example of the power of people in a democracy to hold their elected officials accountable. But in the federal context, federal facilities house people from all around the country. So there's no natural constituency in the state, city, or county they're located in to express concern about what's happening on the inside. As a result, for people locked up at MCC, there's very little hope that conditions will improve anytime soon, that anyone will take their complaints seriously. Uh, Is all of this what led to Epstein possibly killing himself? Staying in this facility for roughly a month, knowing it might be years, even with the plea deal, before he gets out, could he just just not take it? He'd never had to stay in a place like MCC before, ever. Nothing close. He'd never experienced anything even remotely like this. His first incarceration down in Florida was a fucking joke. He was home or at the office, both luxurious places, most of the time for the 13 months he was supposedly incarcerated. When he was in his cell, it was still a lot better than his MCC experience. At the age of 66, he's staying in a fucking shithole for the first time in his life. And for the previous four decades, he had been living in like the most extreme luxury you can live in. Did the MCC just break him psychologically? Also, if he truly had so much dirt on a bunch of big names, dirt that was going to amount to a get out of jail free card, well, why hadn't he already played that card? Why didn't he play that card immediately? I don't know. Maybe he was negotiating. Maybe he was holding back and waiting for the right plea deal, doing a bunch of lawyering. Uh, if he didn't have that card, and as a smart guy knew, he was very likely staring down years of this facility before being sent to a prison where he'd spend the rest of his life in a shitty little cell, would that be enough for him to want to take himself out? Epstein, uh, he spent his final days in a cramped and musty cell that might have been filled with standing water due to uh, faulty plumbing they had. He was reportedly withdrawn, seemed depressed in his final days. Uh, inmates also frequently reported that water with urine and feces was flooding the cells often while he was there. Nine South, where he stayed, also uh, especially infested with rats, mice, and cockroaches. That's a far cry from Little St. James Island or his New Mexico compound or Palm Beach or his Manhattan mansion. Epstein paid for his team of lawyers to spend up to 12 hours a day consulting with him, mostly, according to some reports, just to avoid being in his cell. And they later reported that he was fucking miserable in his final days. He stopped bathing, stopped brushing his hair, occasionally slept on the floor because he often found it more comfortable than a shitty-ass bed. All right, now that we've looked into the conditions of the MCC in general and how Epstein was reportedly handling it, let's zoom in. Let's zoom way in. Let's look at Epstein's pubic hair. How curly was it? How thick? How clean? How gray? How did it smell? Feel? Did any lice live in there? Did he like to tug on a few strands from time to time real hard just to make his eyes water a bit and feel alive? I don't know. Maybe not that close. Let's zoom back a little bit. Uh, let's look at what was, going, what was going on there supposedly the day he died. Does there seem to have been a chance that someone would have been able to sneak in and kill him? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. As understaffed and colossally incompetent as these motherfuckers were, uh, it seems like a lot of things would have been possible. This is absurd. The MCC was so understaffed around the time Epstein died that non-correctional officers like cooks and janitorial workers were regularly helping with guard duty. Uh, Kind of. Doesn't seem like anyone was doing much guard duty. This this was not a fucking tight ship. Not a well-oiled machine at all. Two prison guards on duty the night Epstein died were later indicted on charges of conspiracy and filing false records for trying to cover up their mistakes. But did they really make mistakes? Or is that a cover story? Did they take an active role in Epstein's death? Were they paid to look the other way, take the fall, but not really take the fall since they really wouldn't get in that much trouble? Tova Noel, 
Michael Thomas uh, were the officers who failed to check on Epstein, and the two filed numerous false forms stating that they had checked on him many times when they, in fact, had definitely not. This is a big smoking gun, shortly following news of Epstein's death breaking, right? The, the guards lied. Why would they lie? How suspicious that they would lie about checking on him. But is it really that suspicious, or was it sadly just par for the course, just a norm? As we learned recently, that 1980 New Mexico prison riot episode, this kind of shit seems to happen all the time in overcrowded, understaffed prisons. On the night of Epstein's death, only 18 guards were in charge of the roughly 750 inmates. Uh, 10 of them were working overtime. How exhausted were they? Uh, just two were supposed to be monitoring the area of SHU where Epstein was you know, being held. Both Noel and Thomas were working overtime, one forced, one voluntary. Uh, one of them, not normally a CO, but had been in the past and was allowed to act as a CO occasionally. Let's look at these two a little closer. Despite the charges against them, neither would serve any jail time for the role in Epstein's death. Uh, there was a brief trial. Then they both entered into deferred prosecution agreements with the Justice Department. What's a deferred prosecution agreement? It's when a prosecutor agrees to grant amnesty in exchange for the defendant agreeing to fulfill certain requirements. So it can be a little vague what those requirements can be. Uh, amnesty is essentially a pardon, right? Do what we want you to do and you won't get in, and you won't get in real trouble. So the Justice Department makes a deal with them where if they cooperate and some kind of detail is not available to the general public agreement, right, they get in no trouble. Some think this deferment, uh, nothing more than pushing out their punishment six months and that the punishment was just 100 hours of community service. Uh, there's been so little press on these two. Uh, does this seem uh, suspic- suspicious to you? It seems suspicious to me. Like, what did they know? What did the Justice Department not want them to talk about with this uh, this deal? According to some court records released leading up to the deal, prosecutors alleged that Noel and Thomas sat at their desks located between a dozen and 15 feet from Epstein's cell the night he died. They shopped online for furniture and motorcycles, walked around the unit's common area instead of making required rounds every 30 minutes. And during one two-hour period, the pair uh, appeared to have been asleep, according to the indictment filed against them. Who the fuck are these two people? Tova Noel is a, uh, or Noel is a resident of the Bronx, or at least was, and is a registered Democrat, or at least was, back in 2019. Prior to her job at the MCC, she'd been employed on and off from 2014 to 2016 by New York's Metropolitan Transportation Authority, the state's transit agency, working in both uh, operational and administrative roles. So maybe a bus driver, maybe uh, a manager or something. Noelle uh, also served in the military. She was in the Army National Guard for six years before obtaining a bachelor degree in criminal justice from John Jay College of Criminal Justice in 2017. And that's a small, small college located in Manhattan. She worked for the U.S. Postal Service directly prior to working at MCC. And Noelle had been working overtime during the morning of the incident, staffing an eight-hour shift leading up to midnight and a regular shift the day before that. That's, that's all we know. We know even less about Michael Thomas. Before working as a CEO, Thomas worked as a materials handler supervisor for the Bureau of Prisons, although he still often worked overnight shifts as a correctional officer while doing that. The day before Epstein's suicide, Thomas worked an eight-hour shift that ended at 8 a.m. So why don't we know so much more about the two guards who were supposed to be checking on Epstein a lot more than they actually did when he died? Because, you know, they're not who we're being fucking told they are. Wake up, world! They were never random prison employees. They were deep state operatives paid by the Rothschilds and Bill Gates and Hillary Clinton to keep the adrenochrome gravy train coming so Tom fucking Hanks and Ellen DeGeneres and Oprah Winfrey can live forever on the blood of tortured and raped children. Hail Satan. Epstein was and is one of their best devil harvesters. He's not dead. 
And if that confuses you, well, congratulations, you're fucking stupid and blind and you lack strong moral fiber and have a tiny penis or a gigantic vagina or at least misshapen balls that smell like old socks and shame and mildew or at least have lopsided titties with nipples pointed in different directions like one of your boobs has a lazy eye or something and you deserve it, devil puppet. JK, of course. Uh, No, Uh, not knowing more about the guards really bothered me when I initially uh, couldn't find more info, but then I thought, well, of course you can't find more info, right? Put yourself in Toba's or Michael's positions, right? Let's suppose that you had nothing to do with Epstein's death other than negligence, other than, I don't know, you fucking suck at your job. You know, he either was killed or committed suicide when you were asleep or something. Or maybe your, you know, drink was drugged and that's why you slept, you were set up, or maybe you just sleep all the time at work, you know, because you're exhausted and usually get away with it. However, you know, whatever the way, now it looks like you've just really fucked up and the man America's conspiracists are most interested in, out of anyone in the world, that person just died on your watch and they're pissed. Conspiracists are now convinced that you know something that you're not saying. They have questions. They want answers. They have too much free time. Not enough working brain cells. Would you want any of these people, the most hardcore of which are extremely mentally unstable and sometimes prone to violence, to find out where you live, to be able to find out where your family members live? Would you want to give any interviews to any reporters about what you may or may not know, Interviewers where, uh, or interviews where you might accidentally drop clues as to your whereabouts? On top of that, you're involved in an ongoing investigation regarding negligence at the MCC leading to Epstein's death. The judge has forbade you from talking about any of this. You're not going to say shit. Unless you're a reckless fucking idiot. Uh, the owners and employees at Comet, you know, Ping Pong Pizza and Wings, where Pizzagate conspiracists believe kids are being held in cages and were being tortured and raped and killed by global elites, they were harassed and threatened over that conspiracy. December 4th, 2016, 28-year-old Edgar Madison Welch, all worked up about Pizzagate, fired three shots into Comet Ping Pong, right? Could have killed somebody. Thank God he didn't hit anyone. Just recently on Tuesday, April 12th, 10 people shot in a Brooklyn subway, likely shot by arrested suspect, 62-year-old Frank James. And James appears to be a complete fucking maniac, a huge conspiracist. He's posted dozens of videos online prior to the shooting going back years, calling himself the prophet of truth and the prophet of doom. He was a fucking loser. He's ranted about 9-11 conspiracies, the war in Ukraine, the Matrix, dark forces he believes, you know, would use atomic weapons to streamline, reshape, and resize the world, saying the United States will be ruined just like Egypt, Greece, and all the rest of that shit. He's declared online that humankind should be wiped the fuck out. In early March, he posted a 31-minute video titled, And Now I Am Become Death. Not great grammar, in addition to being very angry. And I could go into a whole lot more about Frank. But this episode isn't about him. The point is, back in 2019, there were, just like now, a lot of very paranoid, unstable conspiracy theorists who were willing to commit violence to strike back at the Illuminati. See the QAnon crowd who raided the U.S. Capitol January 6, 2021. That should have been building up for a couple years before the raid. Would you want those fucking lunatics to think you had something to do with killing someone so that they wouldn't spill the beans on Bill Clinton or Donald Trump, etc.? Would you want them to think that you were in bed with Illuminati forces hiding some kind of global pedophile ring? I sure as fuck wouldn't. And Tova and Michael, they're both black. And that matters, right? The harassment they would receive, if you could find them online or in real life, would undoubtedly be worse than if they were white. It would include death threats mingled with racist taunts. You know, why would they want to risk bringing all that shit into their lives? I'm guessing they're laying real, real low. And that they don't say shit about any involvement with Epstein's imprisonment at any point going forward. Uh, But also, in a nod to conspiracy theorists, if the conspiracies are real and they were actually involved, they certainly would not anyone to uh, find that out about them. You know, so that's another way to look at the guards. Um, you know, I, I, uh, 
and there's and there's this point too. I thought about like you know I bet they could have made uh, some good money sharing everything they knew with some tabloids or magazines. There was so much buzz around Epstein when he died. Why not take a big payday? Why not risk uh, a harassment for making a lot a lot of money? You know, if the check were big enough, would uh would any of them you know would either one of them take it? I don't think they're getting rich working at the MCC. Seems like most people do want their 15 minutes of fame, but I'm guessing uh, even if they wanted to talk about it and get a payday, they probably couldn't. A condition of that deferred prosecution deal. I don't fucking know. Uh, you can make some arguments, I guess, both for the conspiracy side and non-conspiracy sides of, of how they acted here. All this just adds more to the mystery. Uh, back to the day Epstein died now. Tova and Michael were not the only MCC employees who seemed to have messed up with Epstein. According to court records, at least eight prison officials knew Epstein wasn't supposed to be alone in his cell the night he died. So why wasn't he given a new cellmate? Conspiracy or underfunding combined with incompetence? Here's the official report of what happened in the day leading up to Epstein's death. 8 a.m., August 9th, 2019, Epstein's last cellmate, Efrain Stone Reyes, was transferred out of the prison as part of a prearranged transfer. Reyes was a 50-year-old informant in a, in a Bronx drug case, uh, a known snitch. He later told his attorney he was worried that if he was transferred out of his cell that Epstein would commit suicide. He said that the guards hated Epstein, that they harassed him, uh, like, like picked on him in particular, refused to get him new bedding he asked for, tried to extort money out of him because he knew he was rich, etc., uh, he said that Epstein was seriously depressed. You know, at least that's what he said, according to his t- attorney. We can't ask him if he said all that because Reyes is no longer alive. How convenient. He died on November 27th, 2020 in his mother's apartment in the Bronx of COVID, supposedly. Or was he ready to finally tell the truth and then murdered by deep state operatives? Uh, anyways, Reyes was transferred out of Epstein's cell 8 a.m. August 9th, 2019. Then Epstein does not get a new cellmate only 11 days after uh, he'd been taken off suicide watch, this decision violated the jail's standard operating procedures regarding inmates who have recently tried to commit suicide. When the decision was made to remove Mr. Epstein from suicide watch, the jail informed the Justice Department that Mr. Epstein would have a cellmate and that a guard would look into his cell every 30 minutes. But then that shit didn't happen. Why not? Negligence or conspiracy? We don't know. Cameron Lindsay, a former warden at the federal jail in Brooklyn and four other facilities, told the New York Times that senior officials at the MCC made a series of mistakes in handling Mr. Epstein. I mean, they sure fucking did. Mr. Lindsay said that Mr. Epstein should not have been taken off of suicide watch, even if the prison's chief psychologist had determined it was safe to do so. He said that with a high-profile inmate, the warden should have erred on the side of caution, kept him under close surveillance, separate from the other inmates. He added, a psychologist is going to think one way, but a warden needs to think a different way. You have to take the conservative, safe route, keep an individual like this on suicide watch. Mr. Lindsay pointed out that Mr. Epstein was also at risk to be attacked by other inmates because of the nature of the allegations against him. In the subculture of prisons, it's a badge of honor to take someone out like that. Uh, Other former prison officials have also questioned the prison's decision to only put Mr. Epstein on suicide watch for such a short period of time. Uh, Though it is not uncommon for an inmate to be on suicide watch for less than a week, that is typically done only in cases when an inmate receives bad news in court or from family. Not soon after an actual suicide attempt, said Bob Hood, former chief of internal affairs at the Bureau of Prisons. In Mr. Epstein's case, not only did he apparently attempt suicide on July 23rd, but humiliating information was continually being released to the public through news outlets, uh, you know, said Mr. Hood. And that would normally have prompted prison officials to keep him under close surveillance, not remove him from the 24-hour-a-day suicide watch. Why he was taken off of suicide watch is beyond me, said Mr. Hood, and added, a man is dead, the Bureau of Prisons dropped the ball, period. 4 p.m. on the 9th, 
Tova Noel begins her first of two back-to-back eight-hour shifts at the SHU. Damn, man. 16 hours straight. Garden inmates. That seems like a terrible fucking idea. Then Tova and another officer, whose name is just listed as Officer 1 in reports, uh, does not perform the required 4 p.m. count. They do not. They, they signed a count slip saying they did, though. And then that count slip is sent to the control center. 5.03 p.m., the control center clears the falsified 4 p.m. count. Then at 7.49 p.m., uh, Epstein returns to his cell after visiting with an attorney. Tova and another unnamed officer escort him to his cell. 10 p.m., roughly two hours after Epstein has been escorted back to his cell, all the MCC inmates are locked up for the night. Uh, Tova and an officer listed as Officer 2 then do not perform the 10 p.m. count, but they sign another count slip saying they did. Uh, they do what we learned happened all the time back in 1980 in New Mexico, leading up to that infamous prison riot. At 10.30 p.m., Noel uh, walks up and, you know, Tova Noel walks up and down Epstein's tier in SHU. This is the last time anyone will walk, you know, to the entrance of this area until 6.30 a.m. the following morning when Epstein will be found dead. Unless, of course, someone not listed in sources because they did what they did off the record was allowed to walk back there sometime prior to 6.30 uh, to kill him. With the camera malfunctions I'll be talking about, that certainly seems possible. At 10.36 a.m., the control center clears the 10 p.m. count. Uh, 10.36, I'm sorry, uh, p.m., not a.m. They control the 10 p.m. count. Uh, At midnight, moving into the morning of August 10th, Officer Michael Thomas begins his eight-hour shift at the SHU. At this point, Thomas and Noel become the only two officers on duty in this area. They do not perform the midnight count, but fill out another bullshit count slip saying they did. 12.49 a.m., the control center clears the bullshit midnight count. Between midnight and 6.30 a.m., officers uh, Noel and Thomas fail to complete any of the required 30-minute rounds in SHU but they fill out a bunch more falsified reports. In court, it'll be discovered that uh, all in all, Noel would sign over 75 30-minute 30, uh, 30 round entries stating that she had completed rounds when actually she did not. She habitually did not check on prisoners when she said she did. And it seems like this was standard operating procedure for the MCC. So she was paid to look the other way or maybe just not great at her job. I mean, it's not like there's a shortage of shitty employees in society. Noel and Thomas sat at the officer's desk area, used the computers. Uh, as I referenced earlier, Noel used a computer to research for furniture sales, uh, benefit websites. Thomas used another computer to search for motorcycle sales and uh, sports news. Uh, they both slept for about two hours. 4 a.m., a supervisor visits Noel and Thomas and speaks to them before leaving. What was discussed? Something related to killing Epstein? Was the unnamed supervisor checking to make sure they both understood the plan? Tova, Michael, do not forget what we've been working on for weeks. This is go time. Be ready. In a few minutes, Hillary Clinton is going to walk in here. Toya, you're going to go make sure that the camera malfunctions and then take another nap. Michael, you're going to make sure Hillary has the keys to Epstein's cell. Then you're going to go use the bathroom for about 30 minutes. Check ESPN, Pornhub. I don't care. Enjoy yourself. All right? Hillary assures us with her rare and exceptional combination of speed and power and her advanced martial arts training. It should not take her more than two minutes, three minutes tops to overpower Epstein, strangle him, then hang him by a bedsheet off his bed frame, make it all look like a suicide. She's an old pro. She's done this kind of shit before many times. For Killary, taking human life is as easy as putting on a new pantsuit. Or the supervisor just checked in and said hi and talked about some fucking boring work shit. No, maybe that happened. Maybe made sure all the evening's forms have been filled out or maybe complained that the snack machine was still out of Cool Ranch Doritos. Even though they'd emailed the vendor three fucking times and told them to replace the Chex Mix with more Cool Ranch Doritos because no one gives a shit about Chex Mix. It never sells. It never sells. It sits there and collects dust. I mean, come on. Or something like that. 
5 a.m. Noel and Thomas don't perform another count. Sign a slip saying they did. More par for the course. 5.30 a.m. The control center clears the 5 a.m. count. Another CL now walks to the SHU common area, but not anywhere near Epstein's cell. 6 a.m. Noel and Thomas receive breakfast cards to distribute food to the inmates. 6.30 a.m. Noel and Thomas enter Epstein's tier for the first time in six hours. Find out that Killery had still not quite finished the job. Jesus Christ. She's still trying to choke Epstein to death. Her skills have greatly diminished. She's covered in sweat. She's breathing in big, labored gasps. Epstein is still conscious. He's smiling. He's clearly erect. He croaks, get back to the massage, Hillary. Daddy like, daddy like. You're a little old for my taste, but it's turned me on nonetheless. Uh, maybe it's just because I've, I've been away from women too long. Maybe it's because I have a thing for pantsuits. Now shake those titties. Shake them under the pastel pantsuit jacket and choke me harder. I don't know. I don't know what uh, fucking went on there. Uh, they, they didn't say that. You know, they, At least they won't admit that that happened. No, they find an unresponsive Jeffrey Epstein is the official story. He was found in a kneeling position with a strip of bed sheet wrapped around his neck, sheet tied to the top of his bunk, believed to have been dead for about two hours at that point. He's then rushed to the New York downtown hospital where he's pronounced dead. Of course, his body is transported to a medical examiner's office shortly after that. Uh, interestingly, I didn't know this before this week, the removal of Epstein's body from his cell was a violation of protocol as the Bureau of Prisons mandates that a suicide scene be treated with the same level of protection as any crime scene in which a death has occurred and he was clearly fucking dead. He'd been dead for what they thought was about two hours. And prison personnel failed to photograph Epstein's body as it was found. That was supposed to have been done. Don't move the body, take some pictures. To me, that's a pretty big protocol fuck-up. Once again, conspiracy or incompetence. Something nefarious or staff who just either weren't trained right or just didn't give a fuck about their jobs. Uh, what about footage of all of this? Aren't there cameras in this place that can confirm or deny whether or not Epstein was murdered? Well, the New York Post, citing law enforcement officials, reported not long after Epstein's death that there was no footage of Epstein's suicide because the cameras were pointed outside his cell, not inside his cell like they were supposed to be. Okay, weird. Uh, according to the Washington Post, though, uh, you know, another article, one of the cameras did capture footage near, maybe even in Epstein's cell the night he died, but it was, quote, unusable. And clear footage of the general area was captured by other cameras. Why the fuck was the Epstein footage unusable? According to the Post article published August 26, 2019, it's unclear whether the flaw in the taping affected a limited duration of the footage or whether it was a chronic problem in the beleaguered Manhattan facility. The article added that the, FBI, uh, that the incident was now being investigated by the FBI. Oh, cool. The same FBI that suddenly became unwilling to talk about Epstein's Palm Beach, uh, many, many sexual assault cases uh, back uh, when they're working with the West Palm Police Department in 2007. The same FBI that agreed to end their investigation into both Epstein and co-conspirators and grant them immunity from further prosecution in the Southern District of Florida after Epstein got 13 months of kind of, but not really imprisonment when they had evidence of him sexually abusing at least 50 underage girls. Awesome. Super fucking cool. Glad the FBI's uh, on this. Uh, the FBI never has revealed what went on with that footage. Uh, the post source was uh, three people briefed on the evidence in early August 2019. But this shit keeps getting more twisted and convoluted. The BBC reported in January of 2020 that a camera pointed into Epstein's cell did record him the evening he died, but the MCC staff mistakenly saved footage from the wrong cell, so the wrong camera, after they found him dead, did not save the correct, really important camera footage. What the fuck happened with all this? 
was a camera pointed in the wrong fucking direction or was the camera pointed in the right direction and it did record footage of what happened to Epstein, but that footage was mysteriously unusable or did a camera pointed in the right direction perhaps capture usable footage, but then that footage was erased uh, in yet another of so many fuck-ups. This is too much. I mean, this looks really, really bad. Who the fuck was running the MCC? The Three Stooges? Homer Simpson? Any of the Bluths other than Michael from Arrested Development? Uh, Michael Scott from The Office? I mean, did you have to be a lazy idiot to get a job there? More fodder for conspiracies here, right? And rightfully so. This is a comedy of errors. Twice hourly checks on the inmates, not done. The night Epstein dies. Epstein's supposed to have a cellmate the night he dies. That's protocol, but doesn't. Uh, two guards are stationed less than 15 fucking feet from his cell. Never bother to peek in on him for like a six hour stretch. Not even one time. I both, both of them were that lazy. Uh, the camera that's supposed to monitor Epstein's cell either malfunctions or does function and footage is confiscated by the FBI or they essentially, uh, accidentally erase this very important footage. So many different stories. Why are there so many different stories? That often happens when people are, you know, lying. I mean, when the story keeps changing, it doesn't look good. Staff go against protocol, immediately remove Epstein's for sure dead body from a crime scene. Don't take a fucking picture. That to me looks the worst. Combine all, combine all that with the evidence that uh, pathologist, you know, Michael Baden found, that former New York City uh, medical examiner in the late 70s, autopsy evidence suggesting Epstein was murdered, that damn busted hyoid bone, right, often though not always indicative of strangulation. Despite the assessment of New York City medical examiner Barbara Sampson, who conducted the official autopsy, publicly stating she felt confident that Epstein's death was in fact a suicide, this whole thing looks very suspicious to me. Investigators will later propose a simple explanation for how Epstein was able to kill himself, saying bureaucratic incompetence spanning multiple individuals and ranks within the organization was to blame. I don't know. I mean, maybe it really was just that much of a shit show at the MCC, or maybe... Epstein's killers used the fact that MCC uh, was a known shit show as a great cover to have him killed, right? It sounds like a good place to do it. Okay, before jumping now into the four main conspiracies out there regarding Epstein not killing himself in his cell, let's look one more time at the possibility that he did kill himself. I mean, he did have motive to no longer want to be alive. Epstein was most likely going to spend the rest of his life in prison. His name was officially ruined forever. He was going to lose all his precious possessions in a giant stream of humiliating civil lawsuits. Uh, maybe he just wasn't able to uh, talk or bribe or blackmail his way out of the mess he'd made for himself this time. He knew that no matter what names he gave, his lifestyle of private jets, private chefs, his own island, his own gigantic New Mexico estate, the largest private residence in Manhattan, all that shit was over. And now it was going to be prison food, prison bed, cockroaches and rats, no sex with teenage girls for the rest of his days. Seeing that writing on the wall, Maybe he just felt that his life was no longer worth living. He was already depressed and struggling in a prison environment. He'd already attempted suicide on July 23rd. So maybe he did just kill himself. That is possible and I can't rule it out. But I fucking doubt it. I doubt his initial suicide attempt was genuine. This guy was a, a master manipulator. Not a nice guy. Incredibly selfish. Smart. Craved power. If he was going to take himself out, I just don't see him doing that before naming a lot of names and taking a bunch of other people down with him. Wouldn't he enjoy knowing that a bunch of other wealthy people, people currently free, were squirming in their seats, having restless nights of shitty sleep, wondering when Epstein was going to fucking rat on him? Wouldn't he love strategizing about how he could use his blackmail evidence if he had it, which I do think he did, to try and set himself free? I mean, he seemed to enjoy the challenge of getting away with a ton of shady shit, at least that first go around in Florida he did. Would he really stop fighting, even if it seemed like all the chips were stacked against him? 
I have a hard time thinking he would. He could have. I know he could have. That's just very surprising to me. Okay, let's look at some conspiracies now. Right after today's sponsor break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you suddenly had an extra hour show up in your day every day, what would you do with it? Work out, sleep, read a book, play Fortnite, call your mom, take judo lessons, finally watch all the episodes of Shameless. A lot of us spend a lot of our time wishing we had more time. But why? Time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The bad news is that you're not going to get that 25th hour. But what you can probably do is reprioritize where you spend some of your time. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it with your time. This year, my health is more important to me than cranking out another stand-up special as fast as possible. So I canceled a tour, sacrificed that income, and decided to spend a lot of the time I just got back working out more, resting more, relaxing more, and enjoying time with family, friends, and just myself. And I'm so glad I did. I feel better than I have in a long time. And my BetterHelp therapist, Debbie, was very helpful in getting me to make the decision to pull back. Thank you, Debbie. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash TimeSuck today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash TimeSuck. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if you've learned anything... Is that there's always a catch. So when you hear that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, you're probably thinking, what's the catch? Well, there isn't one, really. They cut the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. It's pretty simple. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans for just 15 bucks a month and no catch. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts over. And in addition to saving money, like over a 50% price drop from what I was paying before, the network quality, in my experience, is better than it was with my old service provider. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash timesuck. That's mintmobile.com slash timesuck. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash timesuck. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Thanks to Rocket Money, I canceled a membership to a gym I used to go to where I continued to pay a monthly membership for a couple of years after I stopped going. I didn't even recognize the charge. Rocket Money found it though, and it was canceled. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lower bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash timesuck. That's rocketmoney.com slash timesuck. Rocketmoney.com slash timesuck. I still love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, but I'd stopped eating them almost entirely a while back 
because the bread on top of the sugar from the jelly made me so sleepy. All those carbs causing me to want to take a nap after eating them. Enter Hero Bread. Hero Bread takes the fear of carbs out of bread, but still leaves you with that delicious bread taste. Hero Bread has zero to one gram of net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and it's high in fiber. It's also delicious and flavorful. The soft, fluffy experience you love when enjoying a savory breakfast burrito or mouth-watering cheeseburger. There is something for every craving, including sliced bread loaves, buns, and tortillas. And there are monthly small batch drops of indulgent favorites, like the two grams of net carbs Hero Croissant or the one gram of net carbs Hero Cheddar Biscuit. I had a loaf of Hero Classic White Bread delivered last week. Soft, fluffy, and delicious. Five grams of protein per slice, and it's high in fiber. And the best part? Hero Bread doesn't taste healthy. It tastes like bread. It's great. Don't give up on being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use code TIMESUCK at checkout. That's TIMESUCK at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Thanks for sticking around, Meat Sacks. Hope you heard deals that appeal to you. Hope you uh, use our landing pages and or discount codes to take advantage of those deals. And now back to the show, uh, digging into those conspiracies. What if Epstein didn't commit suicide or was killed? Uh, what if he is still alive? Right, That's one of the theories. Protocol was violated. There was no photo taken of him dead in his cell because he never died in his cell or anywhere else. On October 9th, 2020, almost exactly 10 months after Epstein's supposed death, the Facebook page of ABQ Raw posted the following. Jeffrey Epstein may have not killed himself and he could be still alive. We visited the Zorro Ranch recently and saw some interesting things happening on sprawling property. On the sprawling property. Take a look at our video and see if you believe Jeffrey Epstein is in fact alive and well. Post your comments. And then uh, a couple asterisks. Breaking all caps. Facebook or someone connected to them has decided to place a fact check banner on our post. We only report what we see. We leave the choice up to our audience. Opinions matter. And our American rights afford us that. Thank you for your continued support, editor. Well, I watched the video. It's not long. It's only uh, a minute and 19 seconds long. You can find it with an easy uh, little uh, search on the web of ABQ Raw, Epstein. Uh, and, or you can just go to our show notes uh, on the TimeSuck app, download them and click the link. Uh, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, you know fact-checking qualifiers below the post. Uh, disqualifiers, I know, is not a word, but yeah, I think you know what you mean. Uh, more on what those sources say in a bit. Uh, the only interesting footage shown in the post just lasts about 10 seconds. Uh, two guys from ABQ Raw are standing at the property edge for the Zorro Ranch, they're holding signs. One sign says Epstein didn't kill himself. Other says investigate Zorro Ranch now. The narrator says that rumors have long circulated that Epstein is still alive. And then some dude driving a red flatbed dually uh, work truck. looks like a newer Chevy Silverado to me. Uh, as he's driving into the ranch or just along the edge of the ranch, he stops, takes a few, a few uh, cell phone pics of these two protesters, takes a sip from his coffee mug. You know, looks at the looks at the two guys holding a, a signs for a, for a moment or two, and then you know just slowly drives away. And they zoom in on the video uh, of this guy when he when he was looking out the window. They you know freeze the video. They zoom in. Uh, he does look similar to Epstein. I'll give him that. He also looks like he could be one of many middle aged guys working on a fucking ranch. To me, he looks um, Hispanic, which Epstein was not. I personally don't think this guy is Epstein at all. Like, forget about the looks. Why would Epstein, if he's in hiding? be driving around in a fucking work truck, not in disguise, at the edge of his own property. N- no, he, he would be anywhere 
other than where he lived pre-arrest. I mean, come on, that's just really stupid. He was a lot of things, but he was never stupid, right? Why, uh, again, if he's in hiding, why would he stop and take a pic of these two dudes clearly filming him? No, he would, he would have someone else in that truck. So what do commenters uh, say underneath this post? Jack Deschner Jr. echoes my thoughts, uh, writing, why would he be driving around taking pictures? That gets a couple likes. Ronald Rice shares the same sentiment. He wouldn't be driving anything if he was alive, much less a truck like that. He'd be in a luxury limousine with blacked out windows and a chauffeur. He wouldn't be seen by regular people. Agree. Eight likes. Then old Ronnie Rice gets a negative reply to this post. Jordan Scott Linegar writes, LOL, okay, detective, LMAO, into the mind of Epstein by Ron Rice. Ah, the dismissive LOL, not followed by a good counter argument. Classic barb of the idiot of the internet. If you think Ron's post is out of line or laughable, Jordan, how about explain to us? how credible this post uh, obviously is. Why it should be taken so seriously. But that doesn't happen. That doesn't seem to ever happen in this comment thread. It's mostly filled with variations of posts like, obviously he's still alive. You know, where are the bodies, Hillary? Like, uh, but no no one seems to write that this evidence is actually evidence, you know? Uh, no one seems to think that the guy in the photo is actually Epstein. Greg Johnson writes, Bill Clinton should finally go to prison. Criminal for years, protected by corrupt judges, FBI and DOJ, must stop. 19 likes. Okay. I mean, nothing to do with the claim in the video, but whatever. Uh, J.W. Allen Jr. writes, I believe it. I believe it. There was no way for Donald Trump to get him off the charges. Laugh. Little emoji. So they just faked his death. 11 likes. Okay. All right. And again, nothing to do with the claims made in the video, but whatever. Uh, Daniil Naranjo writes, many of them still alive. This is a game where we're the losers. They're trying to make us look like fools all the time. Wake up. Yeah, wake up, fools. No comments on the actual claim from Daniil, but, you know, uh, wake up and, I don't know, figure something out. Nine likes. Thanks, Daniil. Really adding a lot of value to this thread. We're all thankful for your insight. Uh, Michelle Thinney's speecher also adds a lot of great food for thought, writing, he's a billionaire, just saying, never saw a funeral, seeing there's a pandemic going on. Great thoughts, Michelle. Seems a little disconnected, not helpful at all, but who cares? Comment thread is uh, not the place for coherence. So glad uh, you didn't you didn't just keep all that to yourself. Literally nothing interesting and intelligent is written in the comment thread, as far as I can tell. Just a lot of people convinced that Epstein is either alive or that he was murdered, and no one lays out again any evidence for any of their claims. I was hoping, <laughs> I was hoping there would be so much more to the Epstein is still alive conspiracy, but it looks like this one post, as 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 happens as we learned here, was then used as a source for dozens of online media sites to write clickbait articles titled with some variation of Epstein still alive, spotted in New Mexico. I clicked on so many of these, uh, none of them very long or informative, almost all of them before providing an overview of just the bullshit I just went over, you know, uh, state some version of conspiracy theorists say that Jeffrey Epstein is still alive after reports of a sighting more than a year since his death. That was one quote. Wasn't more than a year, but whatever. I haven't been multiple reports. Uh, unless you count some random person on Twitter or Facebook or Reddit, just saying Epstein is still alive and then backing that claim up with nothing more than gibberish. And then they kind of just give a, a summary of, you know, things that we went over in the first of these two episodes. Uh, who is the poster ABQ Raw? According to the About section on their Facebook page, ABQ Raw is a run-and-gun web video guerrilla documentary filmmaking news channel created by and for a connected generation. 
our often short, raw video clips, summary reports, documentaries, and docudramas bring you an unvarnished look at some of the people, events, and happenings in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and sometimes beyond. We shine a light on often underreported stories, unorthodox and at times irreverent. We get to the heart of our community and call it like we see it. Hashtag ABQ Raw. Hashtag ABQ Raw Clips. For news story suggestions or inquiries, please contact ABQ Raw through Facebook messaging. Fuck yeah. They call it like they fucking see it, you guys. Hot takes. Uh, Actually, their takes don't seem that hot. I checked out their website, and in general, they seem to stay away from conspiracies. Uh, I was surprised. Mostly just uh, pretty benign stories about uh, local politics, local arrests, local sports in Albuquerque. Pretty tame. Uh, I can't even find any profanity. They call it like they see it. And how they see it, most of the time, is pretty safe and tame and boring. Uh, as for the uh, fact check links under their Epstein post, here's what US Today, uh, USA Today has to say. The claim in this post has been rated false. The post offers no evidence that Epstein is alive. Multiple official sources, including Epstein's lawyers, the US Bureau of Prisons and New York City's chief medical examiner have confirmed his death. Additionally, autopsies, which were performed on Epstein, can only happen to those who are dead. <laughs> I like that last sentence. Hey, everybody, uh, you know how he had an autopsy? I don't know if you know this, but you can't have an autopsy performed on you unless you are dead. I picture someone reading that who, who somehow actually didn't know that. Like, that was surprising to them. Like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Oh, he, he did have an autopsy. I did know that. I just, I didn't know you had to be dead in order to get an autopsy. God damn, I guess he, I guess, fuck, maybe he's not alive. Obviously, for this theory to be true, the coroner had to have uh, publicly lied about performing an autopsy and falsified their autopsy report. Not the first falsified report in this case. And then that falsified report would have had to have been sent out to, you know, other coroners, uh, forensic examiners, et cetera. They would have uh, weighed on it as they have. And then, you know, none of them would have raised any concerns that it was falsified. Now, do I think this could have happened? Uh, probably not. Do I think there's a tiny chance that I could be wrong and maybe it's true and maybe he's still alive? Yeah, sure. I mean, so many reports were falsified. So many protocol violations. Who the fuck knows? Maybe he was snuck on out of there. Uh, maybe the two guards who, you know, were just paid to ignore him, uh, you know, didn't go his uh, cell near, you know, the night he died or supposedly died because they knew he was going to be snuck out of there. The body of a double could have been brought in. I doubt it. I highly doubt it. But, you know, maybe. Who knows? Uh, if, if he did sneak out and he is still alive, I just don't think there's any fucking way he's going to be in New Mexico or Palm Beach or, you know, Little St. James Island, the U.S. Virgin Islands or Manhattan. Come on. Next theory. The vague blackmail theory this is, this is the one i next to the one next to the one that i will add at the end this is the one i like the most out of the four that are out there this theory states that epstein was murdered but it doesn't try and assert who killed epstein it states that whoever did kill him was someone he was going to expose right someone who epstein had dirt on someone epstein was blackmailing trying to use his dirt to get himself out of a life sentence in prison and this theory i think has some decent logic surrounding it we know that epstein was obsessed with sexually assaulting underage women he did that a lot for a long time. We know he did that a lot in places in Florida, or, you know, like uh, his place in Florida, New Mexico, New York, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. We also know that he hung out with a lot of wealthy and powerful people based on flight logs. We know a lot of people visited him at these lavish residences. We know a lot of people spent time with Epstein after he registered as a sex offender. Now let me speculate about what we don't know, but seems very possible to me. Seems possible, probable, almost certain even. 
especially when you look at what happened with Prince Andrew recently. Some of these people also had sex with underage girls in one of Epstein's residences. According to Epstein victim uh, Virginia Gouffray, Epstein had blackmailed dirt on numerous powerful people. In her 2015 lawsuit against Epstein, she claimed that Epstein forced her to have sex with men and then debriefed her to get intimate and potential embarrassing information for blackmail purposes. And a lot of what Gouffray has claimed has been proven to be true the last few years. And according to at least a few victims who were assaulted on pedophile island, Epstein had surveillance equipment. Did he use that equipment to record some of his associates committing sex crimes so that he could then, you know, use the footage to blackmail them later? Uh, Did he have other evidence that could harm them that he could use to blackmail them later? Uh, Would that evidence being out there in the public provide, you know, motive for some wealthy elites or maybe a small, you know, group of them to to really want him dead to actually have him killed? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I think it would. Epstein's little black book of addresses published by Gawker in 2015 uh, plays into the possibility of this theory having some legs. Uh, This book reveals that some of Epstein's friends and or acquaintances were people like uh, Donald Trump, Bill Clinton, multiple Kennedy family members, Earl Spencer, Courtney Love, uh, former Israeli prime minister, uh, Oud Barak, Alan Dershowitz, his lawyer, who I think definitely sexually abused young women with him as Virginia Gouffray claimed he did. But I do not have legal proven evidence to back up my belief. It is just my opinion. Therefore, not defamation of character since I admittedly cannot back up my strong dislike of this guy. I personally just think is a slimy fucking pedo dirtbag. In his book, uh, also Alec Baldwin, Ralph Fiennes, uh, Richard Johnson, New York Post, Ted Kennedy, uh, David Koch, Koch, excuse me, <laughs> Koch, uh, filmmaker Andrew uh, Jarecki, Les Wexner, that retail billionaire titan who's wealthy managed and a uh, man who may, may have been used, uh, he may have used to build his own wealth, uh, Governor Bruce King, Governor Bill Richardson, Peter Soros, and many more. Did any of them really want him dead and have the means to make that happen? Epstein's former house manager, Alfredo Rodriguez, tried to sell this address book in 2009, calling it the holy grail to unraveling a huge sexual abuse network. Rodriguez tried to sell the book to one of the attorneys suing Epstein, but then uh, this attorney reported him to the FBI and Rodriguez was charged with obstruction and would spend 18 months in prison. For trying to profit off of exposing a possible list of other sexual predators, he spent more time behind bars than Epstein would after molesting and or raping over 50 women and girls in Florida. So uh, cool, seems fair. Uh, Did Rodriguez really think that the book was connected to a massive pedophile ring or was he just hyping it up, trying to get a big paycheck for selling it? Rodriguez was Epstein's Palm Beach, Florida house manager slash butler for years. Claimed one of his job responsibilities was to clean up the many sex toys Epstein would leave lying around after using them. I wonder, I wonder if I could get Joe or Logan to do that for me. <laughs> Send them a text from home. Hey guys, Lindsay and I are done. Please give everything laying around a good scrubbing. And do not use it for yourself. Nothing you find is for your holes. Seriously, keep our shit out of your holes. And really clean it. It gets, gets a lot of use. Especially the sex wing. And the new vibrating wand. <laughs> it's just been getting wild. I doubt they come over. Uh, Rodriguez died at the age of 60 in December of 2014 from a variety of sexually transmitted diseases he picked up from not wearing gloves when he cleaned all those toys up. He had 76 different strains of sexually transmitted diseases. He had every single version of anal warts you could get by the time he died, including anal face warts, uh, anal finger, finger warts, anal lung warts. He had a hard time breathing, had anal eyeball warts, had a hard time seeing. Whole body was covered in anal warts. Also herpes sores. A lot of his anal warts had herpes sores on top of them. And then those herpes sores had more anal warts on top of them. And then some of that had syphilis, kind of a a lacquer on top of it all. It was a long, very painful, super gross death. Everyone was so glad when he finally died. 
even his widow, who would often say to him in the last weeks of his life, things like, just stop, stop trying to hang on, stop fighting. You look like shit. You look like an actual monster. Everyone, everyone hates being around you and seeing you. Even the doctors just want you to please finally die so they can burn everything you've ever touched. Just please, please die. You're fucking disgusting. No, Uh, this guy Rodriguez died after a six month battle with cancer. So we can't get any further info from him about the address book. Did it contain a lot more uh, than addresses? Maybe a list of who had sex with who? Gawker uh, did not seem to uh, publish that, but uh, I guess we'll never know. Maybe some pages got tore out. I don't know. Uh, This Rodriguez guy had any real dirt before he passed away from cancer. Why didn't he leak that dirt out? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. He had nothing to lose towards the end. Who cares what they charge him with, right? I think Rodriguez strongly suspected a lot of people of fucking teens, you know, along with Epstein, but I don't think he had any solid evidence or I think he would have shared it, at least on Facebook or somewhere, right? Because why not? Adding more fuel to the fire of this uh, blackmail conspiracy, Epstein's 2008 plea deal referenced unspecified information, excuse me, uh, supplied to federal investigators. Epstein was a federal witness in the uh, in the prosecution of two Bear Stearns executives years earlier. Is it possible, uh, you know, he just knew insider trading shit or something like that about the company and was blackmailing them? Or did he have info about sex crimes committed by his co-conspirators that the FBI has kept under lock and key for some reason? Maybe the FBI is still investigating those other people, or maybe they're just covering shit up. Maybe the FBI had him killed. I'll talk more about that later. That's uh, that's my theory. Uh, finally, no one is quite sure how Epstein made all his money. Did he blackmail anyone to get it? Right? He was never fully forthcoming about his business or clients. Some think uh, he really specialized in blackmailing. For many years, Les Wexner is only confirmed billionaire clients. Right? That's weird. Epstein allegedly made up to $500 million from his businesses, but how exactly? No one on Wall Street has any real evidence of him managing money outside of Wexner. It feels impossible to find any evidence that any other uh, big fish ever traded with his firm or with his firm. Following Epstein's final arrest, Tammy Roberts Myers, a company spokeswoman, uh, made the following statement on behalf of Wexner to the New York Times in July of 2019. While Mr. Epstein served as Mr. Wexner's personal money manager for a period that ended nearly 12 years ago, we do not believe he was ever employed by nor served as an authorized representative of the company. Uh, Ms. Meyer said that uh, at the direction of the company's board, L Brands recently hired lawyers to conduct a thorough review into the relationship. She declined to say what the investigation would entail. Through another spokesman, Mr. Wexner declined repeated requests for an interview. In a letter to in July to L Brands employees, he said he was never aware of the illegal activity charged in the indictment. But then the following month in August, right after Epstein died, Wexner was a lot more forthcoming. Why? In a 564-word letter he sent to the Wexner Foundation, He accused Epstein of misappropriating vast sums of money from him and his family. In the letter, Mr. Wexner uh, said that the misappropriation was first discovered in 2007 as he separated from Mr. Epstein during Epstein's Florida trial for sex crimes. Also in the letter, Mr. Wexner said he had been able to recover some of the funds that he said were misappropriated by Mr. Epstein, and some of that money included a transfer of about $46 million worth of securities and a Virgin Island business controlled by Mr. Epstein to a foundation run by Mr. Wexner's wife, Abigail Wexner, according to tax documents. Misappropriated. Nice way of saying that Epstein stole from him. Stole what sounds like uh, probably well over $46 million. Huh. The timing of this reads as very, very suspicious to me. Let me get this straight, Mr. Wexner. You knew back in 2007 that Epstein supposedly stole over $46 million of your money. This guy who is also, uh, according to so many accounts, one of your best, if not your very best friend. And you don't take any legal action against him. You don't publicly disclose that he's uh, betrayed you like this. He's done this. Why not? Maybe because you did some really shady shit right along with him. And you knew if he went public, 
with that information while he was still alive, he would fucking destroy you. So you wait until right after he's died or been killed. Was Wexner the guy who hired someone to kill Epstein? If in fact he was killed. How else did Epstein maybe build his fortune outside of Wexner? Who else could he have blackmailed? Uh, did he run another Ponzi scheme like the one he was suspected of masterminding for a business associate, Stephen Hoffenberg? The guy we talked about last episode who uh, pled guilty to SEC charges in connection with uh, $475 million in fraud, a Ponzi scheme Epstein supposedly masterminded. Did he uh, have a money laundering operation? That's been rumored too. Was he just really good with investments like he claimed? Could he have turned 10 or 20 or 30 or $46 million into hundreds of millions or maybe even a billion or more through savvy investing? I mean, it's possible. Or did he blackmail some friends to make that money? Had he been blackmailing Wexner for years? Did one of his former friends or associates not named Les Wexner have him killed? If so, who? Can you guess the internet's top two suspects for killing Epstein? I bet you can. That's right. Bird and Ernie from Sesame Street. There's a lot of online speculation, a lot of heat. The Epstein was involved with several different Muppets, the Cookie Monster, Big Bird, Oscar the Grouch, Elmo, Guy Smiley, Kermit, uh, the Swedish cook guy. But Bert and Ernie are the only ones known to have taken multiple flights on the Lolita Express, several trips to Pedophile Island, supposedly, not confirmed, supposedly. Bert likes to receive oral sex from teenagers, and Ernie likes to watch and jerk off. Here's some anonymously recorded, released audio of Ernie watching Bert have sex. Uh, thirsty, I guess, is his code for wanting Bert to finish up and ejaculate because he can't finish until Bert finishes. And when Bert tells him to, quote, get a glass of water, that's code for Ernie to go find his own teen to have sex with from what I understand. I guess he would get tired of Ernie always watching him. If you listen closely, most disturbing part at the end, you can actually hear what clearly sounds like Ernie beating off a little bit. Hmm. Boy, am I thirsty. Am I thirsty. Am I thirsty. Ernie, Ernie, if you're so thirsty, why don't you just get up and get yourself a glass of water? (laughs) Okay. Well, because, Bert, I'm so tired. Uh The only thing I am more than tired is thirsty. Jesus. And I am thirsty. Uh Disturbing. Oh, that's it. Am I thirsty. That was the noise. God. Obviously not true. Uh, Good luck watching Sesame Street now and not thinking about those two being uh, uh, pedo perverts. Uh, No, the internet's top two suspects for who killed Epstein are Bill and Hillary Clinton. Where are the bodies, Hillary? Right? Most popular Epstein conspiracy theories on the web by leaps and bounds, it seems, is that the Clintons had Epstein killed because he had dirt on them, or at least dirt on Bill, that Hillary was worried would ruin her political career if it were to get out. Uh, Remember, Epstein was friends with the Clintons, or at least, uh, you know, very acquainted with Bill. Friends gets tossed around a lot uh, with a lot of these theories. But, uh, you know, those who don't believe this theory are quick to point out that there really isn't any documented evidence they were like, you know, fucking buddies. Uh, Politicians are friendly with lots of people. They go on humanitarian or fundraising trips with all sorts of different folks. Big part of their job is to rub elbows with the uh, movers and shakers who have lots of money so those people can help fund their campaigns, donate to causes they're aligned with. But also... Maybe known horn dog Clinton had sex with teens on pedophile, pedophile Island. So how and when did Bill and Jeffrey meet? 1993, during Bill Clinton's presidency, Epstein attended a reception hosted by the Clintons uh, on September 28th. Epstein donated $10,000 to the White House Historical Association to help pay for White House renovations. He attended a reception honoring donors. Epstein Maxwell, other attendees, took a tour of the White House. Epstein received a letter on October 4th thanking him for his contribution. 
But uh, also, you know, hundreds of other people attended this reception and got letters. Not sure Bill did anything more than shake Epstein's hand and thank him and maybe pose for a pick in this instance. Uh, Epstein also met while Clinton was in office uh, with White House aide Mark Middleton at least three times. Should be noted here that Middleton was banned from visiting the White House in 1996 after it was discovered he had used his access to the White House to impress clients for his personal business ventures. Uh, two years after that reception in the White House in 1995, businesswoman Lynn Forrester de Rothschild wrote a letter to Clinton thanking him for their talk about Epstein. Interesting. By 1995, Clinton clearly does know him. Uh, Clinton attended another reception with Epstein in 95, uh, not known if they interacted. Sounds like they probably did, though, uh, based on what you said earlier. Uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, Epstein's teenage girl pimp, pedo assistant, who's currently awaiting sentencing for what will likely be a very lengthy prison sentence. She uh, and Bill and Hillary's daughter, Chelsea Clinton, were friendly by 2010. There is photographic evidence that Maxwell attended Chelsea's wedding that year. That, you know, Chelsea invited her. Uh, had a good seat, too, right by the aisle. A spokesperson for the Clinton family said the two were only connected through a mutual friendship with Gateway founder Ted Waite. Uh, former Clinton aide Doug Bando said that Chelsea invited Ghislaine in a status grab at the high society lifestyle. Band told Vanity Fair, Ghislaine had access to yachts and nice homes. Chelsea needed that. Gawker obtained Epstein's flight logs in 2015, showing that Bill Clinton flew on Epstein's private plane, the Lolita Express, 11 times in 2002 and 2003. He shared some of these flights with young women and Ghislaine Maxwell. Some of these flights connected to the 2002 week-long tour in South Africa, Nigeria, Ghana, Rwanda, Mozambique, touring AIDS prevention and treatment sites with actors Chris Tucker and Kevin Spacey. We talked about that trip in part one. Uh, that trip organized by the same White House aide, Doug Band, seemed to have been innocent enough. But what about other trips in 2002 and 2003? After Epstein's 2019 arrest, Clinton admitted to six encounters with Epstein in 2002 alone. Four flights, a trip to Epstein's office in Harlem, and a visit to his New York apartment. But he saw Epstein more than this, according to Band and uh, Flight Log. So why lie? That doesn't look good. Not at all. Clinton denied ever going to Epstein's fuck island, but multiple witnesses, including Virginia Gouffray, said that he did go to that island. That looks really bad. Clinton has never been accused of sexual misconduct regarding Epstein's victims. He's been accused, accused of plenty of sexual misconduct, just not here, uh, at least not publicly. But again, this does not look good. Online rumors spread around saying that Epstein made a plea deal under the Obama administration to protect Clinton but Epstein's plea deal was finalized before Obama took office. So that, that part's definitely not true. So sorry, conspiracists. Gonna, gonna need to add a time machine to make that particular detail work out. Uh, July 12, 2019, an ABC News review of campaign finance reported that records showed Epstein donated to Democrats in the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, one of them being Hillary Clinton, donated $20,000 in 1999 to her joint fundraising committee with the Democratic Party. Uh, Bill Clinton received a $1,000 donation in 92. During the 2016 presidential race, RNC chair uh, Ryan Priebus would openly speculate that Bill Clinton was involved in Epstein's death. He told Bloomberg, when you hang out with a guy who has a reputation like Jeffrey Epstein multiple times on private jets, on weekends, on trips, on places at least where it's been reported uh, not very good things happen, it would be good to know what our former president was doing. Uh, yeah, agreed. Uh, president Trump retweeted a tweet from actor and comedian Terrence K. Williams on August 10th, 2019. Died of suicide on 24-7 Suicide Watch. Yeah, right. How does that happen? Uh, Epstein had information on Clinton and now he's dead. I see Trump body count trending, but we know who did this retweet if you're not surprised. Uh, the conspiracy theory that the Clintons have their enemies killed uh, on a regular basis has actually been around since the 90s. The most popular examples supporting this theory are Vince Foster's suicide in 1993 and the 2016 murder of DNC staffer Seth Rich. So I think we should take a peek at both of those deaths, 
since they are the cornerstones cornerstones of this theory. Uh, Vince Foster was a deputy White House counsel who died of suicide uh, July 20th, 1993. That's the official story. Colleague of Hillary's at the Rose Law Firm in Little Rock. He was supposed to uh, vet all administrative officials, but felt like he failed the president when Clinton's first two picks for AG were forced to withdraw because of revelations that they had hired undocumented immigrants. Foster was also wrapped up in scandals about the termination of staff in the White House travel office and legal disputes about access to records uh, about Hillary Clinton's health care task force. Foster shot himself, most likely due to stress and depression. That's the official story, right? That he shot himself. The coroner did rule his death a suicide, but a lot of people rejected this ruling. Uh, here's how PolitiFact.com, a fact-checking website that rates the accuracy of claims by elected officials and others. A site that's been accused of having both a left-leaning and right-leaning media bias. I find it pretty neutral. Uh, here's how it rates the conspiracy that the Clintons had Foster killed. It rates it as false. Let's walk through how they came to that conclusion. Critics of the Clintons speculated that the Clintons had killed Foster. Dan Burton, then a Republican congressman from Indiana, famously shot a melon in his backyard to prove that Foster couldn't have killed himself. But he didn't prove anything other than it looks like it's pretty fun to shoot a melon. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh, before he was a Supreme Court justice, was on independent counsel Ken Starr's team when it looked into whether Foster was murdered. Starr was initially appointed to investigate the suicide of Deputy White House Counsel Vince Foster and the Whitewater real estate investments of Bill Clinton. And in early 95, Kavanaugh offered Starr the legal rationale for expanding his investigation of the Arkansas financial dealings of President Bill Clinton and his wife Hillary to include the Foster death, the Washington Post reported. Kavanaugh, then 30, argued that unsupported allegations that Foster may have been murdered gave Starr the right to probe the matter more deeply. Foster's death had already been the focus of two investigations, both concluding that Foster committed suicide. One investigation by then-special counsel Robert Fisk involved four lawyers, five physicians, seven FBI agents, approximately 125 witnesses, and DNA tests, the Post reported in 94. According to Fisk, the paper said Foster's death was a personal collapse, not a White House scandal. According to this report, Foster complained to his physician in Little Rock, Arkansas about depression and anxiety, and his symptoms worsened when he got to Washington to work in the White House. After he bore some of the political fallout from an incident that became known as Travelgate, in which seven White House travel office employees were fired amid hints of financial shenanigans, he became increasingly obsessed with the affair and the possibility of a congressional hearing, the Post reported. Though he was confident he and the White House had done nothing wrong, the paper wrote he told his friend Webster L. Hubble that in Washington, you are assumed to have done something wrong, even if you have not. After a series of critical editorials in the Wall Street Journal, he became more distraught, Fisk found. His anxiety over the congressional hearings deepened, according to the Post. He told his sister he was depressed, and then he ultimately shot himself once in the mouth with a gun. Kavanaugh himself eventually affirmed the suicide, finding in, uh, in October 1997, or, you know, uh, in, in October 1997, uh, Starr issued a report on Foster's death, also concluding that Foster had killed himself. So the third investigation, you know, uh, to come to this conclusion. But to this day, conspiracies continue to flourish because the headline, the accusation, is what everyone remembers, not the retraction or the verdict, sadly. Uh, the Clintons have for sure been involved in numerous scandals and caught in numerous lies, but it does not seem like they had Vince Foster killed. Uh, what about the 2016 murder of DNC staffer Seth Rich? Rich was a 27-year-old DNC staffer shot in an attempted robbery in D.C. Conspiracy theorists again have blamed the Clintons. Uh, especially when Julian Assange of WikiLeaks hinted that Rich provided WikiLeaks with a bunch of DNC emails, not Russian hackers. This could be the Clintons' motivation for having him killed. The website also offered a 20000 reward for information on Rich's death. Uh, you know, uh, Fox News reported 
that the Clintons were responsible and then were sued by Rich's parents. Rich's parents quickly won a settlement and Fox News apologized. The network uh, had basically reported in May 2017 that Rich leaked thousands of Democratic Party emails to WikiLeaks during the height of the 2016 presidential campaign. The story was reported by Fox News' uh, Malia Zimmerman and then retracted a week later. It suggested with no evidence that Democrats uh, you know, might have linked the killing to the 27-year-old Rich, a crime that has not been solved to this day. Uh, Zimmerman was let go, it seems, over this fuck-up. Uh, the settlement with Fox News closes another chapter in our efforts, efforts to mourn the murder of our beloved Seth, whom we miss every single day. Joel and Mary Rich wrote in a statement concluding their settlement, adding, we are pleased with the settlement of this and sincerely hope that the media will take genuine caution in the future. Fox News issued their own statement through a spokesperson saying, we are pleased with the resolution of the claims and hope this enables Mr. and Mrs. Rich to find a small degree of peace and solace moving forward. Rich's family have repeatedly and publicly denounced the conspiracy theorists who promote their son's death as part of the where are the bodies Hillary lore and have publicly said that politicians who have done this have exploited their son's death for their political gain. And their spokesperson calls conspiracy theorists promoting all this disgusting sociopaths. So it doesn't look like the Clintons probably had uh, Foster or Rich killed. So how did the Clinton body count conspiracy ever get going in the first place? Uh, I was very curious about this. It officially originated in 1993 from a former Indianapolis lawyer and militia movement activist, asterisks on that, kind of, uh, Linda Thompson. Thompson had compiled a list of 34 people connected to the Clintons who had died under what she considered to be suspicious circumstances. She titled it The Clinton Body Count, Coincidence or the Kiss of Death. Thompson admitted she had no direct evidence to support her claims, even stated that the deaths were probably caused by people trying to control the president, but refused to say who those people were. Why not? Well, probably because she didn't really seem to know anything. Uh, She said her allegations seemed groundless only because the mainstream media haven't done enough digging. So how credible is, you know, was Linda? The person who, and I cannot stress this enough, came up with this, invented the very popular Clinton body count conspiracy. This is her invention. She is the cue source to all of this. Linda is fucking insane. Truly. This isn't me playing partisan politics here. She was as wackadoodle as it gets. She was Q from QAnon before there was a QAnon. In 1993, she splashed onto the conspiracy scene when she made a VHS tape that got passed around in conspiracy circles called Waco the Big Lie. Huge critique of the U.S. government siege on Waco, right? The Branch Davidian cult compound. Compound. You know, how, how dare the U.S. government use force to try and stop a, a cult leader, David Koresh, from fucking more kids. Uh, Linda alleged that three of the four ATF officers killed in the siege were former bodyguards of Bill Clinton. And that is uh, that is not true. Absolutely not. She just pulled that out of her ass. Uh, she said that in the siege, Clinton had them assassinated by what looked like friendly fire, but was not. And that's pure crazy talk. She made another Waco film in 94, a sequel to her first blockbuster. Another VHS tape gets sold and passed around. She makes the rounds on fringe pre-Alex Jones far-right radio stations. Uh, probably a lot of AM stations, I'm guessing. And then also in 94, she makes a third film titled America Under Siege accusing the government of using black helicopters against patriots and the Federal Emergency Management Agency of establishing concentration camps, facilities she claimed were to prevent patriots from interfering with plans to establish a new world order. Fuck. Of course. The new world order, the deep state, FEMA camps, where American citizens are being enslaved. Wake up, sheeple! It's always the same shit with these paranoid clowns. It's been the same shit for, you know, fucking 30, 40, 50 years. Also in 94, very busy year for Thompson, uh, she declared herself acting uh, adjutant, adjutant general of the unorganized militia of the United States and announced plans for an armed march on Washington, D.C. in September of that year. 
She declared that militiamen would arrest and try for treason in citizens' courts any congressional representatives not living up to their oath of office. Let's go to the fucking Capitol and get these motherfuckers. She called for a fucking QAnon Capitol raid almost 30 years before it actually happened. The proposed march, you know, that never actually came close to happening, was immediately denounced by far uh, by right-wing mili- militia groups, including the John Birch Society. And then Thompson subsequently canceled the march, but kept all the fucking money she raised for the march, rumored to be around $300,000. So it looks like it was a pretty good grift. And because she did that, basically all of America's actual militia groups were like, fuck that lady, and called her out for being a con artist and also a lunatic. Uh, she was later arrested for blocking a presidential motorcade in Indianapolis. Uh, no big whoops. Uh, she also once told a reporter how her dog had been killed by secret government ray guns. Sounds plausible. And how she had been shadowed and shot at by enemies from black helicopters. Man, helicopter snipers not capable of taking out an unathletic looking uh, middle-aged woman. That's interesting. Clearly, the black helicopter A-team was not chasing her down. On her resume, Thompson boasted that she had been assistant to U.S. Army Commanding General NATO. But no, uh, reporters, investigators found out she was was a secretary. So that's that's a little different. After suing the National Enquirer for uh, labeling her the queen of hate, Thompson faded from view, first moving to Alabama, then to Durham, North Carolina, before ending up in Florida where she died. Uh, Let's hear from her. This is her opening monologue from her 1994 cinematic fucking masterpiece, America Under Siege. Love the dramatic music. It's about 30 seconds more. This is a beautiful and wonderful country. Or maybe I should say it was before it was taken over by murderers, liars, and thieves. Oh, no. Yes, we do have a crime problem, and our biggest crime problems are the people running this government. Mm -hmm. Strong language? Yes. And I'm prepared to back it up with proof. Hell, yeah. Uh, Linda then spends the next hour not backing anything up with proof. I keep playing it, but she just goes on to talk about, like... Uh, where she lives in Indianapolis and her husband's a nice guy. I mean, just like, just nonsense. She's, she's fucking, she was fucking crazy. Um, she died of a prescription drug overdose in Florida, May 10th, 2009 at the age of 56. She was, uh, she was not well. She seemed to deteriorate more and more towards her later years. Uh, after the incredibly credible Linda kicked this conspiracy off, William Dannemeyer, former Congress member from Orange County, California, grabbed her conspiracy baton. I'll take it and run. Uh, then edited her Clinton death list down to 24 people then sent it to the House of Representatives in 1994. Uh, His account was titled, whatever it is, Bill Clinton probably did it. He said that these people died under uh, other than, excuse me, natural circumstances. Uh, Did I mention that Dannemeyer was a strident anti-Semite and conspiracy theorist? A big conspiracy guy who believed the Jews were uh, trying to take over the world, or as he wrote on his website, the main goal of the Zionist Jews and their new world order. There we go again. Is exactly the same as it was when Jesus was on earth to exterminate Christ and his followers. Man, they've, they're fucking bad at it then. You, you would think if that was their goal, going back to when Jesus went on earth, they could have fucking snuffed Christianity out like real quick. If there was like a new world order and there was like fucking 10 Christians, why just have them all killed? Right? Just, just kill them all and fucking get rid of everything. But I guess, I guess they're a really incompetent uh, bunch. And, and of course, again, yeah, he references the New World Order. Yeah, he's batshit crazy. Uh, he died in California in 2019 at the age of 89 after suffering from dementia for many years. I'm sure he was a uh, real treat to be around for his final years. Paranoid mind plus dementia? How fun is that for the caretakers? Uh, so we, can we just write off this conspiracy theory? Mm, maybe not so fast. Let's look a little bit more. 
Fact-checking site Snopes.com gave this conspiracy theory a gander in 1998, and they did note that 50 colleagues, advisors, or citizens who either knew the Clintons or were going to testify against them did in fact die. Now, have they, have they, have they just known a lot of people? Of course. But still, this does look a little suspicious. Uh, for example, James McDougall, a witness in the Whitewater Land Deal case, died of a heart attack in March of 1998 while in solitary confinement, believed he was going to testify against Clintons. Uh, the Whitewater scandal was a controversy for the Clintons due primarily to allegations that Bill Clinton, while governor of Arkansas, used his political might to pressure David Hale, former president of a small business investment firm, into making a loan for the Whitewater land deal, a deal where the Clintons would actually lose money. Uh, three separate investigations of all this never led to charges against the Clintons. Would they have been found guilty had McDougal, uh, McDougal lived, though? Now, a lot of people think they would have. Uh, next death, Mary Mahone, 25-year-old former Clinton intern. Shot inside the Washington, D.C. Starbucks she worked at near Georgetown in July of 1997. Suspected that she was going to testify about sexual harassment at the White House. She was one of three employees killed at that Starbucks at, the same, at that same time. Their bodies were found the next morning by an employee showing up to open the store. They'd been killed after closing. Their bodies found in a back room. And they were the first three Starbucks employees to ever be killed on the job. It's often reported online that their killer was never caught. Uh, but that is definitely not true. Uh, you know, the theory is that, you know, some uh, Clinton assassin did it, but uh, Carl Derek Cooper did it and he was sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole. Two years after the murders, Carl gave a detailed account of the incident to D.C. police. According to Peter Slavine at the Washington Post, Cooper confessed to shooting the manager Mahoney when she refused to give him keys to the safe, which held over 10000 in cash. She said no. Cooper then shot a warning shot into the ceiling, freaked Mahoney out. She started running into the hall. Cooper ran, caught her, wrestled with her over the keys. When she resisted, he shot her dead. Right? Give him the fucking keys. If you're, uh, for, any, for everybody listen to this, if you get uh, a heist at work, give him the fucking keys. Insurance will take care of it. Just give him the keys. Do what they say. Uh, not worth dying. Uh, he then shot the other two Starbucks workers at the store at that time for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right? For witnessing the initial murder. Cooper only got caught thanks to America's Most Wanted, bringing extra attention to the case. Hail Nimrod and hail John Wallace. That guy's a fucking hero. Uh, Cooper was a bad dude, a suspect in another murder when he was arrested, suspected drug dealer, minor gang leader. No known ties to the Clintons. Uh, never referenced the Clintons at his trial. He'll die in prison. He has yet to rat on the Clintons, even though he's had a lot of time to do so. Uh, next death, Victor C. Victor Riser, the second, former national finance co-chair of Clinton for president. And his son, Montgomery Riser, died in a plane crash in Alaska. Were they going to testify against the Clintons? There's no evidence of that whatsoever. But the conspiracy was out there now, and the tinfoil hat crowd stopped stopping at nothing to link any new corpse they could find to the Clinton body count. Doesn't seem to be a real strong association here. So next death. Paul Tully, DNC political director. We're not going to go through all the deaths, by the way. Just some of the key ones that get referenced a lot. Uh, found dead in a hotel room in Little Rock. He uh, had a heart attack at the age of 48. Key member of the damage control squad. Came up with Clinton strategies. In a statement after his death, Clinton called Tully a dear friend and trusted advisor. Paul had one of the nation's greatest political minds and one of its biggest hearts. Uh, so weird that uh, the Clintons would want to murder someone who was uh, helping him and was a friend. So next death, Ed Willey, or, or, or Willey, it's W-I-L-L-E-Y, a Clinton fundraiser, uh, died of suicide in the Virginia woods. Did Clinton kill him? No, but he did, it seems, uh, sexually harass his wife, Kathleen, who worked at the White House. At least was accused of that. She said that Clinton made an unsolicited sexual advance towards her in a sworn deposition. So Clinton may not have killed him, but probably did try to fuck his wife, uh, which I'm sure didn't help with his mental health struggles. Next death, Herschel Friday, another Clinton fundraiser, 
uh, died in a plane explosion. His plane exploded. Clinton had to have killed him, right? Fucking Hillary probably put on a mechanic's fucking pantsuit and just got into the plane and, you know, switched some of the wires around. Uh, doesn't look like that happened. Was he going to testify against Clinton? No, he just uh, helped with the fundraiser once and then later he died. Pretty, pretty weak connection. Uh, next death, Jerry Parks, former security team member, supposedly had an extensive file on Clinton activities for he was gunned down in Little Rock. He's a big name in the lore. Jerry Parks, his murder does remain unsolved. Here we fucking go. Uh, before his death, he reported a break-in and his family thought they were being followed. Uh, here are more details about this case from an article published February 23rd, 1997. Luther Jerry Parks was a private investigator who owned a security company in Little Rock. He was a big man, sometimes described as a bully, and in 1991, he contracted to provide private security for the Clinton campaign headquarters in Little Rock. Later, he argued with campaign officials over money he felt he was owed. I knew he was in a hassle at the, uh, with the White House, says Gene Werges, a newspaper journalist famous in Arkansas for his crusades against official corruption in Conway County in the 1960s. He just complained about it at a couple of meetings I attended of people who were hacked about the Clinton machine. On September 26, 1993, Jerry was gunned down as he drove to a wooded intersection at the edge of Little Rock by a man in another car using a 9mm semi-automatic handgun. Clyde Steelman, the homicide sergeant of Little Rock Police Force, says that the uh, killing looked to him like a professional job and assassination. After his father's murder, his son Gary Park said he freaked out. He said he walked off his job as the go-to guy at a car dealership. He then ended up working as a pimp, literally, ran a female escort service, uh, he helped his mom, who he said was now afraid for her life, to go into hiding. Said he turned down money from the National Enquirer, refused to talk to national reporters for a while. I didn't trust the East Coast media, he told a reporter in 97. Just in talking to them on the phone, their intentions came through. I didn't care if they were liberal or conservative. It was that I feel that they were going to print what I said or print what they wanted to say that I said. Jerry Parks had, quar- uh, had quarreled bitterly with a former business partner shortly before his death. That guy became a suspect in his death, but Gary came to believe his father's death was connected to political forces loyal to Clinton. He says his father had told him about a, f- uh, a file he had built up on Clinton's indiscretions when he was governor. I'm guessing probably sexual discretions, uh, knowing Clinton. Uh, Gary says he believes his father was using the file, which has never been located, by the way, to try to blackmail the Clinton campaign. Officer Steelman, uh, you know, uh, the, the sergeant working on the case said he discounted Gary Parks and his mother's theories of Jerry Parks killing as unsubstantiated, nothing to grasp. Feels like a nice way of saying uh, Officer Steelman did not look into Gary's claims because Gary was fucking cray cray. Without the Clinton file, Jerry Parks was supposedly keeping. Steelman said he couldn't investigate the assertion that the murder had some, you know, vague political dimension. Parks went on to cooperate with the makers of Clinton bashing mail order video company. Uh, with all, what was all these fucking mail order conspiracy videos, by the way, uh, he said on camera, I feel that Bill Clinton had my father killed, but then offered literally no evidence to back up that claim. Then interestingly, Parks told the reporter interviewing him in 97 that he got carried away admittedly with his Clinton accusation saying, I'm the first to admit some of the things I said on video were wrong. I just come out of a trance. I don't think my head was completely back on straight. Even so, he continued to believe that politics somehow were behind the killing and that authorities didn't care about his dad's death. And he went on to say that repeatedly on far-right uh, radio talk shows. So maybe can we actually kind of write off this theory? I mean, the more you look into it, uh, in my opinion, uh, the more watered down and just kind of nonsensical it gets. You know, a bunch of people wanting something to be true uh, doesn't make it true if the sources are just wackadoodle. So this is, uh, you know, the Clinton body count seems to be nothing more than a bunch of uh, unsubstantiated rumors, VHS tapes, fucking wackadoodle websites ran by people, some of whom seem uh, blatantly mentally ill. 
The supposed death list goes on and on. Some of the people who died were just loosely related to Clintons, others in the inner circle. Uh, But none of the deaths make me think, holy shit, that does look bad. And it strongly points to the Clintons. Could the Clintons have had someone killed? Of course. Any president could have someone killed, theoretically. Just like you could have someone killed or I could have someone killed. Do I think that they have had people killed? Probably not. Do I think that they had Epstein killed? I fucking doubt it. When the hashtag Clinton body count trended in the wake of Epstein's death, especially on Twitter, uh, Bill Clinton's spokesperson called it ridiculous and, of course, not true, and Donald Trump knows it. Speaking of Trump, let's move to the other side of the political aisle for another conspiracy theory, right? The hashtag Trump body count also trended in the wake of Epstein's death. Former President Trump uh, was friends with Epstein at one time. Uh, When they were kids, this did not get reported as much as I thought it should have been, Uh, they used to play putt-putt, hide it in the butt. They play this game where they would pretend that their wieners were golf clubs. And, you know, like, and then the other kids nuts were like the golf balls. And then you'd slap your ding dong around each other. And whoever could hit a ball first with their club would then have to try and sneak their club into the other player's hole while screaming par to win. Uh, And Epstein always won, I guess. Some say Trump would let him win. And I don't know. (laughs) I don't know where any of that came from. Sometimes with the weird thoughts I uh, always have, I feel like I'm cursed. Uh, But for reals, they were friends at one time. In 2002, Trump told New York Magazine, I've known Jeff for 15 years. Terrific guy. Uh, He's a lot of fun to be with. It is even said that he likes beautiful women as much as I do. And many of them are on the younger side. And that quote has not aged well. Uh, Pun not intended. 2016, a woman named Katie Johnson sued Trump, claimed that he raped her during one of Epstein's parties in 1994. Uh, She eventually dropped her suit before the election. 16 women in recent years have came out and accused Trump of everything from harassment to rape. To be fair... At least 13 women have also accused Bill Clinton of everything from harassment to rape. Uh, that combined with those two fucking pervs hanging out with Epstein, you know, it doesn't look good at all. After Epstein's 2019 arrest, Trump tried to distance himself from Epstein, saying, I had a falling out with him a long time ago. I don't think I've spoken to him for 15 years. I wasn't a fan. But he was a fan for a while, at least. There's n- there are numerous photos of Trump and Epstein together in the 90s, early 2000s, showing that they maintained a friendship for several years. Uh, Trump said he rode on Epstein's plane from Palm Beach to Newark, New Jersey in 1997. And just like with Clinton, he's not telling the whole truth here. Fucking politicians, just as a group. Does anyone lie more? Does any group lie more? Not my favorite group. It's so fucking slippery. Uh, Flight logs revealed by federal prosecutors in Ghislaine Maxwell's recent trial appear to show that Trump flew on Jeffrey Epstein's Lolita Express, uh, you know, half a dozen times more than was previously known. But just like with Clinton... Again, to be fair, he may not have flown alone with him. A woman named Marla, apparently Trump's then-wife Marla Maples, uh, listed as joining him on a June 1994 flight, along with her then-infant daughter and a nanny. Uh, Trump's son, Eric, listed as joining him on an August 1995 flight between Palm Beach and New York. Uh, Some people have wanted to connect Trump to Epstein through Alexander Acosta, Trump's Secretary of Labor, and also through William Barr, Trump's Attorney General. According to the PolitiFact website, the group Union Thugs posted online, DOJ under bar has jurisdiction over the prison Epstein was in. It's been reported that the uh, security cameras failed at the moment of the alleged suicide. Trump cabinet member Acosta gets Epstein a pass in court previously. Trump is a frequent flyer on Epstein Airlines. Yeah, sure. He killed himself. I mean, does all that look a little bad? Well, yeah, it does. Uh, but as we went over last week, did Acosta really give Epstein a pass or was he forced to give him a pass by the FBI, some other political force above him? Uh, was it really his call? I, I have strong doubts. And putting Barr in charge of the MCC? Come on, that's absurd. That, that's like blaming Biden if your mail gets lost. 
Oh, come on. He's in charge. It's his post office. Why can't they find my letter? Barr probably had no fucking idea what was going on at the MCC. Uh, but is it possible he helped orchestrate Epstein's murder on behalf of Trump? I mean, sure, a lot of things are theoretically possible, but there's no proof, again, none, not even a little. Do I think Trump had anything to do with killing Epstein? No, I don't. I don't I don't think he or the Clintons did it. If I had to guess who killed Epstein, if anyone, I think it'd be someone working on behalf of the FBI. This theory is not out on the web, to my knowledge. I can't find anything on it. Uh, this baby's mine. Hear me out. Going back to last week's part one episode, early on in Epstein's adult life, 1981, right after he leaves Bear Stearns, he launches Soft Girl Hands and Tight Man Muscles Incorporated. I mean, Intercontinental Assets Group Incorporated, right? Remember, right before he started his billionaire boys, you know, investing club shit. And he began telling friends and colleagues that he was an intelligence agent who recovered lost or stolen money for the U.S. government. And that might've been crazy talk, but maybe not. Right, He really was a math and financial wizard, like an, like an actual genius, perhaps. I think he probably was. Possibly uh, savant-like intelligence in certain arenas. And the FBI strangely intervened in an investigation into multiple underage rapes involving Epstein of Florida, 2007. They stopped helping the investigation carried out by local law enforcement. Odd. And that's just not me and the tinfoil hat crowd thinking it's weird. Local Palm Beach police chief, right, Michael Ryder, thought something strange was going on behind the scenes, too. 2008, Epstein gets the plea deal of the fucking century. 18 months, you know, you kind of have to go to jail, but not really. And it's only 13 months and go ahead and keep getting underage massages and sexually assaulting teens plea deal. And the FBI also agrees to end their investigation into both Epstein and his co-conspirators. Grants them immunity from further prosecutions in the Southern District of Florida. What the fuck? It's not normal. Then after Epstein dies, the FBI opens another investigation uh, into his death and haven't shared anything other than, oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah, he killed himself. Uh-huh. What was their fucking deal with this guy? I think totally speculating here that Epstein was working for them, had been working for them for many years. In what capacity, I don't know. But I think he had a special mind. Maybe he was recovering vast sums of money from them, right? I think they wanted his mind and were using it for something, uh, you know, that just not anyone could do. I think he was a highly valuable asset. And I don't think he was allowed to uh, virtually walk in 2008 because he could rat on powerful people about massages that got sexual with teen girls. I think that what he was doing for the FBI was probably important enough to them that they were willing to make a deal with the devil and let him probably continue to molest and rape teens. You know, maybe he gathered uh, valuable intel for them. Maybe he was a fucking spy of some kind. Probably was just able to help make their department a lot of fucking money. I don't know. I have no idea. This is purely by gut intuition that there's something there. Uh, why did they finally let him be arrested again, though? Well, I don't know. Uh, I would guess that for whatever reason, they no longer needed him. He was no longer a valuable asset. All speculation. I know, but it is what I think. Uh, so could any of these conspiracies be real? Mine or the others? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, maybe he was snuck out of the MCC. You know, this is a place I could probably fucking have snuck someone out of. It was a complete shit show. Uh, were the Clintons or Trump responsible for his death? I mean, maybe. Sure. Maybe some other wealthy connected person had him killed. I have no idea if he was blackmailing anyone, if Les Wexner or some equivalent wanted him dead and had the means to do that. Uh, I am skeptical of the claims that some wealthy person had him killed outside of the FBI or maybe the CIA or something because of recent events with Ghislaine Maxwell, though. That's what makes me pause on a lot of this. Uh, December 29th, 2021, she's found guilty of conspiracy to entice individuals under the age of 17 to travel in interstate commerce with intent to engage in illegal sexual activity, conspiracy to transport individuals under the age of 17 to travel in interstate commerce with intent to engage in illegal sexual activity, another count, uh, transportation of individual 
on the age of okay yeah she, uh, another another count and then conspiracy to commit sex trafficking of individuals under the age of 18. Uh, all in all, she was committed, uh, convicted of five of six charges she was facing. She's 60 years old. She'll face up to 65 years in prison when she's sentenced. Her current sentencing date is June 28th, uh, you know, to be determined, but she will almost certainly die in prison. Ghislaine Maxwell was very involved with Epstein's sex trafficking operation, basically ran it for him. She knew most of the same people Epstein did, probably had all the same information on those people that Epstein had, or, you know, there's a chance, good chance. I, I would think... She had to have witnessed powerful people committing some sex crimes. So if someone had Epstein killed, well, why haven't they had her killed? How the fuck is she still alive? You know, just recently, Tuesday, April 5th, a judge in New York rejected her lawyer's arguments for a retrial based on a juror who helped to convict her failing to disclose he was sexually abused as a child. Doesn't seem like the Justice Department is taking it easy on her, cutting her any deals. Doesn't seem like anyone in power she may have dirt on is using their power to try and, you know, help her or have her killed. Why is she not dishing dirt if she has it? Maybe because she doesn't have any dirt to dish. Or maybe she's scared. Maybe she knows whoever got to Epstein could easily get to her. And who could easily get to someone being held at Brooklyn's Metropolitan Detention Center, another federal facility? I don't know. How about some feds? How about the FBI? Pulling it out of my ass, I know. But to me, if any of this stuff is true, that's the one that's true. Uh, there's no strong evidence pointing to who may have killed Epstein. But I do actually think he was quite possibly killed. Right, so many fucking errors at MCC. The guards never checking his cell the night he died. His cellmate having just left, not given a new one, even though protocol dictated he was supposed to be given a new one. All the weird camera bullshit, the changing story about why there isn't footage. Uh, the guards taking him to the hospital two hours after he thought he was dead. What the fuck? No photo taken of his body before moving it out of the cell. Broken bones in the neck that tend to point to strangulation more than they point to suicide. You know, there isn't just a few irregularities regarding what went on here. Uh, there's so many combine that with that insane plea deal. He was given previously in Florida, combine it all with the many rich and powerful people he hung out with. Epstein didn't kill himself. That conspiracy meme might very well be true. He probably in my mind did not kill himself, but I don't know who did. And, and I realized that this plus my belief that the CIA had something to do with assassinating JFK, you know, makes me a bit of a wackadoodle in some people's eyes. Oh, well, I just can't ignore the story laid out in front of me in front of all of us. Uh, before I finish my recap, so sorry about this. Uh, we do have one final sponsor today. Uh, Time Suck is once again, uh, brought to you by Whipple! F team didn't kill himself edition. Don't get suicide. Feel more alive than you've ever felt in your fucking pathetic non-island owning. Don't you have your own plane or banging teens with Clinton and Trump? Life! Just drink Whipple! F team didn't kill himself edition. Don't be an island boy. Be an island fucking alpha male or a boss bitch ready to rule your own Caribbean kingdom once you fucking pound this elixir of molly, Adderall, liquid nitrogen, helium, uranium, bath salts, organic grape juice, fentanyl, bleach, Drano, antifreeze, and coconut milk. Fuck you. Fuck your family. And drink Whipple. FT didn't kill himself edition. Now comes the following flavors. Island raspberry rubdown, New Mexico cactus fruit handjob, and orange dream sickle. God, Wibble, man. It's really nice to have a partnership with the uh, world's best energy drink. Uh, now back to finishing off Epstein. Uh, too bad someone couldn't have finished him off uh, sometime around, you know, 1970. Epstein was born in 1953 in Brooklyn, New York. Grew up in a working class family with dreams of being successful and rich and probably fucking molesting a lot of people. Uh, the rich dreams, you know, a lot of people had those. But unlike a lot of people, Epstein had the brains to pull that dream off. By his mid-20s, he was a millionaire. His mid-30s, he was likely worth tens of millions of dollars. By his 40s, he had the largest home in Manhattan, Palm Beach Mansion, his own fucking island in the Caribbean, big one. 
Huge ranch compound in New Mexico. He's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. He was flying around on private planes, helicopters, hanging out with celebrities, politicians, billionaires. He's having Ghislaine Maxwell round up teens for him to abuse and rape by the dozens, if not the hundreds. Then in 2005, a Florida parent reports him to the police for having sex with her underage daughter. Palm Beach Police Department launches an investigation, learns this girl, girl is far from the only victim. Looks like he's going to easily go to prison for life. Going to be a slam dunk, open and shut case. But then the fucking feds stick their noses in. 2008, Epstein receives an unexpected sweetheart deal. Serves a cushy 13 months. Uh, I mentioned a bit earlier. Feds save his ass. Weird. Keeps abusing. Keeps building his wealth. July 6, 2019, Epstein arrested on federal child sex trafficking charges. And this time, no deal. Looked like Epstein was going to go to prison for the rest of his life. Unless maybe he gave up a bunch of big names. Names many of us expected him to give up. We're waiting for them. Then suddenly, August 10th, 2019, Epstein dies in incredibly suspicious circumstances. Found dead in his prison cell in the solitary confinement union of the Manhattan Correctional Center. Well, maybe found there, no pictures. His official cause of death, suicide by hanging. His official cause of death in the court of public opinion, murder. And the conspiracy swirl. And here we are. If he just didn't give up and kill himself, if he really was killed, will we ever know the truth? I hope so, but I seriously fucking doubt it. I hope we at least learn why the feds protected him in Florida, but I doubt we'll learn the truth there either. Someone knows though, right? Maybe someone listening. Maybe you could send an anonymous email. Maybe it includes some pics. Come on, New World Order. Throw us a bone. Bonus points for letting me share it as an update. It would be great press for the podcast. Time now for today's top five takeaways. Time suck. Top five takeaways. Number one. Epstein was found dead in a cell at the MCC, the Metropolitan Correctional Center in Lower Manhattan, New York City, 6.30 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, August 10th, 2019, probably. No one took pics. Security cameras malfunctioned. He committed suicide, maybe, but I doubt it. Number two, the MCC was a shit show. Long before Epstein died there, it was infested with rats, cockroaches, apathy, abuse, understaffing, incompetence. Most of the inmates incarcerated there uh, haven't been found guilty of anything. So that's fun. Presumably innocent people being essentially fucking tortured. Number three, if Epstein is alive and well in New Mexico, staying at the Zorro Ranch, he is not driving a flatbed work truck and taking photos of dipshits with protest signs at the edge of his property who think he's still alive. Come on, ABQ Raw. Get the fuck out of here. Number four, the theory that the Clintons have had their enemies killed did not start with Epstein. It's been around since 1993. Indianapolis lawyer, militia movement activist, complete maniac. Linda Thompson compiled a list of 34 people connected to the Clintons who had died. She titled it the Clinton body count, coincidence or the kiss of death. And it is nonsense. Has Clinton sexually assaulted numerous women? Oh yeah, quite possibly. I would say probably. Is he a serial killer or mob boss equivalent, uh, you know, uh, mob boss equivalent ordering hits left and right? I doubt it. I think he's just mostly a perf. Number five, new info, QAnon. A fake Lolita Express flight log really added to all the conspiracy lore around Epstein's death. In the summer of 2020, a screenshot of a supposed Epstein flight log with the names of celebrities and politicians like Beyonce, Ben Affleck, Eminem, Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, Stephen Colbert, Barack Obama, many others began showing up in comment threads on Twitter. Had 124 names on it. QAnon crowd got a hold of this fucking bad boy. Postings skyrocketed. Started getting a lot of buzz. The fake list uh, first appeared uh, in, in a Q drop, uh, number 4577. 
on July 2nd. Then the Daily Beast did some investigating, found versions of the fake log dating back nearly a year before. Earliest known version appearing August 25th, 2019 on a conspiracy website called Common Sense Evaluation. Earlier versions of a similar list uh, go back even a month earlier. Chrissy Teigen on that list, uh, Q crowd went after her hard. QAnon had hated Teigen for years, in part because she frequently clashed with uh, Trump on Twitter. And then hostility against the former model reached a fever pitch October 2019 when she shared a photo of her kid dressed up as a hot dog. In the fucking warped, uh, brain-dead Q-verse, hot dogs, like so many other uh, foods, are codes for sex trafficking. Uh, due to an email that emerged on WikiLeaks in 2012. Teagan had previously been a target of conspiracy scoring during the Pizzagate scandal, but she'd never been harassed like she was being harassed now. She ended up blocking over a million users, making her account private, contacting Twitter for help when she became concerned for her and her family's safety. Accusations of her molesting teens, along with Epstein and death threats, uh, surfaced, you know, uh, by the fucking thousands. Um, You know, she was on, on Epstein flights, you know, molesting these kids. But actually, if you look into it, uh, she would have had to have been underage herself for the timing to work out for many of the accusations. Why am I bringing this up? Uh, to remind everyone that conspiracies are fun to learn about, interesting to entertain. But if you don't actually have proof, don't fucking harass anyone over them. You're not a truth seeker or a freedom fighter for doing that. You're just a crazy dipshit asshole. You're the bad guy now. So don't claim to be the fucking person going after the bad guys. You're the bad guy. So maybe don't do it. Look for evidence. Also, get off your computer from time to time. Get out of the fucking basement. Get a life with a little more balance to it. If you're harassing, you know, Chrissy Teigen or Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump or anyone else for maybe doing shit with Epstein, you're helping absolutely nothing. You're wasting your life. And you're probably drawing attention to yourself. And now the FBI is watching you and they might suicide you just like they suicided Epstein. So be careful. Time suck. Top five takeaways. Jeffrey Epstein's suicide conspiracies two of two has been sucked. Uh, I enjoyed learning a bit more about U.S. conspiracy lore. And uh, also now I really understand the hype around the catchphrase, Epstein didn't kill himself. Uh, Thanks to the Bad Magic Productions team for their help in making time suck every week. Thanks to Queen of Bad Magic, Lindsay Cummins. Uh, Thanks to the Reverend Dr. Joe Paisley for production. Thanks to Bitelixir for upkeep on the Time Suck app. Logan, the Art Warlock, Keith, creating the merch at badmagicmerch.com. And for running socials with Liz, the Enchantress, Hernandez. Thanks yet again to Olivia Lee for kicking off the research on this one. So great job. And thanks to the all-seeing eyes moderating the Cult of the Curious private Facebook page. Uh, thanks again to Beefsteak and the Mod Squad running Discord. More and more people talking lately about, uh, you know, how much uh, they have, how much fun they're having over in Discord. So good on uh, you, Discord Meet Sacks. Uh, you can link to Time Suck's Discord community via the Time Suck app. You can also find Time Suck on Reddit, the Time Suck subreddit, over 7,000 members now. So if you're a Reddit user, you can go check it out. Uh, next week, another Space Lizard voted in topic, just like this two-parter, Vladimir Putin, that motherfucker. Putin is a name we all know, a name that uh, many fear right now. How much do you know about the leader of Russia? Vladimir Putin, uh, terrifying the world, actually been scaring much of the world for decades. 2022 invasion of Ukraine, not the first time Russia has invaded land that's not theirs. Uh, And those nukes, so many nukes. And the corruption, so much corruption. Vladimir Putin has been synonymous with Russia since he first became president in 2000 when he made some of the first speeches on national television. He promised to protect freedoms. Eh. Uh, Human rights, he promised to bring Russia out of an economic depression, promised to uh, restore Russia back to greatness after the fall of the Soviet Union. How much of all that has he done? Uh, You know, some of the many questions will be... uh, or some of the many things we'll be looking into 
when I try uh, next week. What am I talking about? Uh, who is Vladimir Putin? How did he grow up to become a ruthless leader uh, that he is today? Uh, you know, why the fuck did he invade Ukraine? And more next week on Time Suck. And now let's head on over to this week's Time Sucker updates. Updates. Get your Time Sucker updates. A bad magician Justin Kando has another uh, Reddit situation to talk about. He's created another subreddit. Not just for Time Suck, but for all the bad magic. Justin writes, hey, Master Sucker, hope you're doing well. Just wanted to write in and ask you to give a shout out to a new community of suckers on Reddit. It's a platform I saw pretty heavily underrepresented. So I created a community for all bad magicians to gather and discuss the shows and talk about anything related to any of the bad magic podcasts. We're really small right now, but I think with the help of MC Suck Nasty himself, we can get a good community going. Uh, That's all, as always, three out of five stars. Wouldn't change a thing. Keep doing the good work you do over there. Well, thank you, Justin. Thanks for expanding our community over at r slash Bad Magic Productions. Uh, yeah, Reddit. I'm starting to look at uh, more and more. It's it's. I'm late. I'm late to the party, but it's very cool. Thread looks good. Hope you keep it up. Uh, hail Nimrod to you, sir. Uh, I promised Super Sucker Brian Hurstman I would include his message in this week's updates. Promise fulfilled. Uh, Brian writes, "Dear Slim Master Sucker, I'm sorry, dear Slim Suck Master, <laughs> the Twisted Tongue Grandmaster of Positive Suckitude." I'm writing this two days away from attending your sold-out Missoula show. I know by the time you read this, it will have happened. So let me say how great it was. I'm hoping it was great too. Uh, I've been following your comedy since back in the uh, Name Your Jokes days and greeting cards. And I told people you are my favorite comedian. I've always told people. Uh, Then one day, three years ago or so, my son-in-law pointed me to your Time Suck podcast. I've been laughing and learning ever since. We had lots of adventures together, listening in the car while we camped, hiked, hunted, and fished together all over Montana. Then last year, my whole world fell apart. Wife of 32, 30, yeah, wife of 32 years passed away from COVID. And if that wasn't enough, my best friend, my son-in-law couldn't stay married to my daughter anymore. They divorced and I haven't talked to him since. I also have a 16 year old daughter still living at home. So many months just trying to keep everything running with massive grieving all around on every level. On top of that, my job required me to work 50, 60 hours a week during that time. But my story doesn't end there because that would suck in the opposite of the time suck way. After reaching the point of acceptance, and uh, that this is my new life, I decided to try dating. I would say try dating again, but really I haven't dated since I was 16 when I met my first wife. She was my only love, the only love I ever had, and the one I planned to die of old age beside. So one of my first matches is a woman from three and a half hours away across Montana. I reached out with a long corny story about growing up with my dad and grandpa in the town where she now lives. She responded about how different I was than the normal first message of, hey, how you doing? Well, we started texting a lot, and a few days later, she asked to meet me halfway in Butte. No, not meet me halfway in the butt. Down, Lucifina, down. I told her about my favorite podcast. She hadn't heard of you. I figured I should give her a second chance anyway, and she saw you had one on Betty White, a great mentor to her. So we both agreed to listen to the podcast while we drove in from different directions to our first date. Next thing I know, you're talking about Miss White Power's (laughs) porn career. And I was basically thinking, well, this relationship was fun for two days. When we finally met, she was all smiles and was laughing her ass off at the podcast. Needless to say, we spent five hours in Butte on the best first date ever. There I asked her if she wanted to come with me to your show in Missoula. She said yes. We've been able to meet up every weekend since and talk nonstop when we're apart. This is really going well, and you, sir, are a part of making it happen. We couldn't be more different in politics or religion, but that's okay. If we listen and respect each other, uh, we see that we all really have the same desired outcome. Just different ideas on how to get there. I hope we get uh, to meet you at the show. Hope to see my son-in-law uh, out there as well. Keep on sucking, sugar bear. Uh, three out of five stars. Wouldn't change a thing, Brian. 
Brian, fuck, man. Uh, did you put penicillin in your message somehow? I asked that because I'm allergic to penicillin. And for some reason, when I read your message uh, early this morning, uh, it really fucked up uh, my allergies in parts. It made, it made my eyes water and stuff. I love you, man. Uh, goddamn. I love how after going through some shit, and I'm so sorry for your loss, uh, you could have said fuck it and died inside and walked dead-eyed through the rest of your life, but you dug deep. You made your peace with some really hard stuff. Uh, you know, you were strong enough, courageous enough to risk having your heart broken again. You put yourself back out there to love again, laugh again, uh, to go halfway in the butt again. I get it. You're hung like a horse. Small holes can only handle so much man meat. We all get it. No, but seriously, good on you. Uh, I love what you said about being different about politics and religion, but both having the same desired outcome, just different ways of getting there and respecting each other. Fuck man. If you were running for office on that platform, you'd have my vote. Hail Nimrod, uh, you beautiful motherfucker. I hope you have a blast at the, or had a blast, I guess, uh, when this is recorded at the, at the show in Missoula. Uh, and I hope you got all the way in. JK, but I do, I do hope you had fun. I hope you both had fun. Next up, uh, an island update from Island Boy. Zane L. Bernie. Uh, Zane writes, Hi, Dan and everyone at Bad Magic. My name is Zane, and I have an interesting side note uh, and or story about little St. James. Buckle up, it's going to get strange. When I was 14, my family and I moved to St. Thomas uh, from New Jersey. During the times when we would take the ferry to St. John, we'd pass Little St. James. It was always known as a no-go zone by locals. At the time, my dad was working construction, was talking to one of the contractors who Epstein hired to work on his private island. In passing, this individual mentioned that there was some uh, bad shit going on there, but the pay was good. No one really knew what was happening. Fast forward two years, my parents divorced. My dad moves back to New Jersey. I'm living on a boat with my mom and my stepdad. Every day, I would walk home from school to the town of Red Hook, where I would meet mom at the dinghy dock behind Fishtails. Every time we'd go uh, to and from our boat, we would always pass a 40-foot barge with Little St. James painted on the side. My mom and I were always curious about who owned it, but there were plenty of deterring signs, so we left it alone. Shortly after, I graduated high school, moved off the island, a few years into college, heard the news, couldn't believe what happened, let alone that it happened a half mile from where our boat was anchored. To clarify some points about the Virgin Islands and St. Thomas specifically, it's a place where dirty dirt spreads quickly. Similar to everyone else, folks in the Caribbean love gossip. In the respect of the police force, uh, even though it has gotten better over the years, bribery and workarounds, not unusual throughout the islands. Especially if you're someone who has lived there for generations or a wealthy fuckhead like Epstein. To assume he was, a buy- to assume he was buying them off is correct. It's hard to ho- hold a moral compass as a citizen when someone is offering any amount of money to make your problems go away. Lastly, for any victim to swim away from Little St. James would have been super difficult at best. The water conditions between St. Thomas, St. John, and Little St. James are super choppy pretty much all of the time. In regards to the island itself, no one was allowed near it. Any unauthorized vessel that got close to the island was met with armed guards, just adding to more of the strategic planning this dirtbag used. All of this fit the common St. Thomas expression of, welcome to St. Thomas, you can't make this shit up. On a serious note, I hope all the victims receive the proper help they deserve. In any event, just wanted to share that info. Keep on sucking. Respectfully, Zane L. L. Bernie. Well, thank you, Zane. Uh, yeah, man, I bet uh, Epstein, uh, you know, scouted all that out. Knew the local authorities uh, would take bribes. Knew about the current. Uh, knew he could have so much privacy on the island. And I've had numerous messages coming this week about his private security detail and their, uh, you know, boat patrols being very aggressive. A lot of armed uh, people in boats that would, uh, you know, anybody trying to get close to the island, they would come after them and get in their faces real quick. Uh, Also, how fucking cool to live on a boat in the Caribbean. Like, what an interesting childhood you had. I hope you still make it back down there from time to time. And thank you for the update. Uh, another, Another island boy. 
at least for a vacation. Sweet Sack Dustin Hansen shares some more Epstein info, writing, uh, Hirsute Harbinger of the Mighty Nimrod. I'm a late convert to the cult of the curious and a brand new space lizard. Even though I've been a fan of your comedy for years, somehow Time Suck has escaped my attention until about a year ago. I have finally finished all the Time Suck, uh, or all of Time Suck, and am now slowly making my way through the Secret Suck. I never thought I would have anything to add to a suck until now, but I have pictures of Pedophile Island. Uh, it's not what you think. Just let me explain. In 2016, my boyfriend at the time, now my husband and I, went on a Caribbean cruise. One of the stops for the US was the U.S. Virgin Islands. We booked a catamaran trip out to some outer islands for snorkeling and swimming with the group. Captain of the boat was an islander and knew the area. So he was pointing out landmarks and some celebrities' houses on the islands. Then we passed Little St. James. This is what we call Pedophile Island. It belongs to a stockbroker from New York, he said. This was uh, after his first arrest, but before his rearrest, I wasn't aware of who Jeffrey Epstein was at the time, but the residents of the Virgin Islands knew who he was. The captain said he was going to get as close to the island as he could before the boats came out. Sure enough, as we got closer to land, two speedboats came racing out of nowhere, one staying a ways back of us, the other keeping pace with us, separating our boat from the island. The occupants of the speedboats wore tactical gear and sunglasses. I couldn't see any guns, but only an idiot would think they weren't armed. So there we were, a catamaran with tourists and our captain in shorts and flip-flops being escorted by military wannabes. Everyone wave, was the next instruction from our guide. And he also told us that they hate it when we take pictures of the island. Of course, everyone on our snorkeling party boat was waving and taking pictures. We could also see security guards on shore of the island. As soon as we passed the island, the speedboats turned around to try to intimidate the next vessel. Uh, our captain told us that the owner of the island was a friend of Bill Clinton, and he regularly flew in young girls for parties. He also threw in some thinly veiled racist insults to then-President Obama, so take his word as you want. I was on vacation with my partner and not in a mood to get into a conversation about law or politics, but I did listen to a few questions from other passengers. This is from seven years ago. I'm trying my best to remember. Uh, but at the time, the Islanders hated Epstein more about developing Great St. James Island more uh, than the Pedophile Island. He tried to dissolve the nature reserve. Uh, the police also not allowed on the island. Local police would also not answer any questions about the island, according to the captain and his first mate. Epstein's helicopter was parked at the far end of the airport, so nobody could see who his guests were. Had I known what an absolute piece of shit Epstein was at the time, I would have asked more questions from other locals. I apologize for not being sorry about the length of the email. Hail Nimrod. I will appease Lucifina with as much hot man-on-man action as possible. Hopefully Bojangles' newest chew toy will be a Russian dictator's skull. And if you do read this, give a shout out to my brother Chase. We will be at your Milwaukee show, Dustin. Uh, Dustin, man, funny message. Uh, uh, good use of uh, her suit. Uh, that's fucking crazy that locals were openly calling Little St. James Pedophile Island before his second arrest. So sad, right? So many people knew. And the girls, I'm sure, just kept coming on in. And you painted a good picture of your boat captain. I'm pretty sure I've met that guy about a thousand times in my life. Uh, looking forward to seeing you and your brother Chase in Milwaukee. Uh, you and your husband. Uh, keep that man-on-man action hot. Loopholes and lips, baby. Loopholes and lips. Hill Nimrod, dude. Uh, and now for a really quick message that made me really laugh because I'm uh, perpetually a 12-year-old boy. Uh, super sucker and Polish champion, Ryan Twardowski writes, first, I must say that, yes, I am Polish. I was, <laughs> I was having trouble writing this message because I could barely get my phone on. But that is not why I wanted to call you. <laughs> when I was in college, I knew a guy named Harold Hardman. At first, his name doesn't seem to be weird. But his grandfather on his dad's side was named Richard Hardman. His alcoholic dad decided to name his son after his dad. So his son's, my friend's full name was Harry Dick Hardman. (laughs) 
<laughs> I beg your forgiveness for not making this message longer. Oh, and can you give a shout out to my wonderful wife, Alyssa, who is also Polish and can't pronounce her own name, who listens to Time Suck on her walk to work because she can't drive. JK, my wife is wonderful, so give her a shout out or I will drive a bomb-filled 18-wheeler into the Suck Dungeon like Noodle McDryween. Thanks, Ryan Trudowski. Okay, Ryan, okay. Alyssa, uh, you you are lovely. You are beautiful. You are so smart and amazing. You're the fucking best. And Ryan's lucky to have you. Does that keep me from getting bombed? Uh, man, dude. Harry Dick Hardman. Harry Dick Hardman. That might be the greatest name I've literally ever heard. He should run for president. He'd get so much extra press. Uh, thanks for the laughs and thanks for the messages, everybody. Thanks, time suckers. I needed that. We all did. Thanks again for listening to another Bad Magic Productions podcast, Meat Sacks. Uh, please don't do so much stupid, horrible shit that you end up getting suicided by the FBI in a federal correction facility this week. Just keep your hands and ween and vaginas clean. Play some putt-putt, hide it in the butt, but not with kids. And keep on sucking. <laughs> Bad Magic Productions. Uh, Dan. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know how last week I threw out the invite yeah. to come to my, my island? Right. And my helicopter is outside. Oh, you were serious? Yes. I, we were we were waiting out there for oh. like 30 minutes. You have an island. Yes. And so, this is your last chance. Okay, last uh, chance. Helicopter for outside right now. Okay. Come with us. Okay. And we'll go to the cool island. All right. Hey, who, who else is going to be at the island? Bert and Ernie. Bert and Ernie? Oh, my God. What the fuck is going on at this island? I shouldn't go, but uh, Bert and Ernie. It's going to be quite a show. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.